Here, the metronome, which means we're live. Hi, Taylor. Hi, Dan. Hi, Josh. Hey. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 124 of You Watch, I Listen. At the time of this recording, it is Tuesday, October 20th, in the year of our Lord, 2020. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know where I was going with that, so I thought year of the Lord was the best. You just went went full fucking cheesy radio host Yeah, Yeah, the year of our Lord. You got to do the voice. Well, here we go. Top 100 at one. Uh, We now bring you back to Grover's Mill. New Jersey. Yeah, it's uh, it's two for Tuesday, and yeah. we're gonna let the let out. We're gonna get the let out. <laughs> yeah, get the let out, Band ladies and gentlemen. And here's our phone. <laughs> here's our phone tap that is not pre-recorded, and both parties know it's happening. People- Imagine a radio conversation <laughs> between that guy and one Stephen. Good evening to you, and how you be, Steve Summers here, and you there. Uh, now, because his fucking teeth are all fucked up, no matter what. What they do, he always gets some kind of feedback. It's in the middle of it, and he he whistles when he talks now. Uh, and hi, Steve. I know, oh, and I love him so much. I actually have not heard Steve in a while. I don't. I guess he's doing just overnights right now. Oh, yeah. I because I, usually he would come on like before Yankee games. Not once this whole season. The evening schmooze. Uh, yeah. It's, it's like here we go. We're gonna go to the phones now. Gary from New Jersey. Yeah. Hi. I uh. <laughs> Hi, Steve. Uh, first time, very long time. <laughs> and why haven't you been calling, Gary? And uh, we're wow. talking about the New York Jetropolitans. Well, the New York <laughs> Knickerbocker. Yeah. Well, so, well, you see, uh, I had a couple friends over the house, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I had this other weird guy asking for Corona Ritas. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Corona? Coronitas. Oh, well, we could just say. You, um, know what's, you know what's great about that whole bit? No one understands. No, no, no one, one understands. All we're going to say is Carlos sucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could say Big his name. Facts. Fuck him. He was garbage. Yeah. He Big was facts. he was real shit. So, uh, Taylor, how are you, buddy? I'm doing uh, I'm doing just fine. Yeah, you seem more sprightly today than the last couple of weeks, and you were more tired. Yeah, well, I'd, I guess uh, today wasn't so bad at work. And, and I just, That's good, because then you put a boiler in. Usually those are your hardest days. Yeah, but it was a gas unit, so it was pretty okay. easy. That's nice. It wasn't too bad. Josh, how are you? Uh. Eh. Yeah, there's the things you've been complaining about, really. Yep, yep, yep. Work sucks. Everything sucks. Everything oh, I, sucks. I forgot to do this to you before, even though I want to do it on the show. Okay. Take one of these. What is it? Just take one of them. Oh, no. Is this a... Uh... No, no, no. It's, uh, it's, it's a graham cracker. It's a really good graham cracker. Taylor and Dan are taking poppers. <laughs> yeah. gay sex. I've, I've listen, never done poppers. Not that there's anything wrong with No, them. listen. They're, I've see, done poppers. They're fun. I don't want to do poppers. Okay, I think we're talking about gay sex. So you sex just do one. No, Which, I went, again, we, there's nothing wrong with. We didn't do any gay sex when we did the poppers. <laughs> the best part of that night. It, was, it, it definitely could have gotten very... Um, not that there's anything wrong with it gay that night, because it was me, Greg, and Ralph in a fucking hotel room in, in um uh what's uh, so glad in, go. in Cooperstown. Taking poppers. And taking poppers. In a and motel the best was room. In a motel room. Yeah, a little motel room that was a two bed with three dudes. And Greg's fucking sleep apnea. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and uh so I, I'm 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 replaying that whole night. Ralph just keeps going. <sighs> Sniffing them, and you that chemical in there is so fucked up. Like you're not supposed to like ingest any of it, like the actual liquid. And he goes, 
goes right down his fucking nose. He's like, oh, fucking burns. Good. So, I was so happy. And it's funny because there's actually factually nothing dangerous about it if you're just sniffing it. Like, it's not like sniffing glue or fucking spray paint. But he probably took about 30 big whiffs of it. And he's like, my fucking head. I'm like, yeah, dude. I feel like sniffing spray paint, uh, spray paint is much more accepted than doing poppers. And it shouldn't be. Well, the poppers is because usually it leads to sodomy. And wow. spray paint usually leads to, like, suicide. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this is episode 124, You Watch, I Listen. Uh, this week, I'll be reviewing Lord's uh, Pure Heroin. And I'm reviewing the movie The Descent. And we will see you guys in just a moment. Later. The You Watch, I Listen podcast starts now. Home Depot uh, in Kansas had to be evacuated for a bomb threat. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Oh, take it out, take it out. <laughs> yeah, oh, suck it nice and <laughs> A couple other really funny news stories. Kenny G. Who the fuck is Kenny G? The fucking clarinet player. Oh, suck it nice. <laughs> what did he do wrong? It's time for the You Watch, I Listen podcast. And always remember, don't sniff it, just do it. Taylor just um, uh, roofied me. That's not true at all. He He's roofied people before, though. No, you, that, you, that, that's not even can, funny. Yeah, can you prove you haven't? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can prove you have. Oh, have you? Yeah. Have I? Have you? You're... You're, that That is the correct answer. Um, so anyway, we'll start out. Taylor, how was your week? I'm mad at you right now. Why? Because I said you roofied someone? Because I haven't. Okay. I, I, tomato, tomato, dude. That's no tomato, tomato there. That's not even Listen, we funny. all have our own opinions. No. There, there's, <laughs> there's fact, and then there's your bullshit. I believe it is no, Josh, just, just guilty enough. until proven innocent. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, I- <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Taylor has not roofied anyone that we know of. That that we know of. I don't believe he has. He's not the roofing type. I can't say the same for some other people we know, but Taylor has never roofied anyone. I can confirm that. No. I apologize. That is slanderous. Yes. Um, my mistake. I apologize. See, Taylor, no, how was your week? Now we're good. How was your week? Fuck you, Josh. <laughs> uh, yeah, again, like a uh, week was week was fine. Um, had a bit of a scare. Yeah, uh, on Tuesday, but I and I won't divulge. But well, it was Wednesday, I think, because we recorded Tuesday. It was Wednesday, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. It was like one a.m. Wednesday. Okay, morning, very so good, yeah. very good. Uh, but everything, <laughs> the under still three, because I guarantee he won't play one when, when you fucking talk. I, uh, the only one I played so, last week when he was talking. It's the only time you ever play drops, and they're the same fucking three drops. <laughs> so fuck you, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> that was my drop. But anyway, uh, the uh, the week was okay. You know, um, besides your scare, the the Walking Dead. Kind of got old for me, so I stopped you, doing that. You have the problem I've noticed that you don't. I don't think you binge well, and that's not like I an insult. I, no, I think I get, you like you get all amped up and binge, and then you're like, I get I, bored. 
I gotta watch something else. I got bored. Like you should be the person that does like two episodes a day, like maybe an episode or two a day, mm. so you don't get worn out on it. Because this is where we've gone to that conversation about um, streaming platforms releasing one or two episodes at a time rather than the whole season. Because I think that could happen, and I think it doesn't allow you to appreciate it in full when it's just bam, 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 bam. And for some people, binging is great. They love it. That's the only way they want to consume it. For me, I like a little bit of like waiting period on it. Yeah. Well, the only reason is because The Walking Dead has all nine seasons out there right yeah, now. Yeah, so and they're not like going, going anywhere. It. Yeah. So I was going That's for That's a it. lot of episodes, dude. And they're 45 minutes, and it's, re- yeah. it's heavy because I'm still in the—I think I'm still in halfway through season three. Okay. So, that, so there was We'll that. talk about what we watch right, in a little I'm bit. sorry, but— like, um, Josh, how was your week? Uh, you know. Same shit. Same shit. You know, it just it sucks. It all sucks. Incompetence around you. Burn it all down. It burnt, throw you in the trash? Down. Yes. Just cue the Seth Rollins music. Burn, Burn it, it down. down. My week was fine. I had to do fucking photos on Sunday. Um, our wedding photographer is a friend of ours, and he's like, I just want to get a feel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He wants to get a feel for, like, shooting us. Wait, and is, I- is that, like, a real thing? What the the never mind. Oh, I don't I don't know who they're. No, he's oh, no he's I, I, I no he's was... he's actually a friend of ours. Um, he uh, he's <laughs> he's actually like a wedding photographer and shit. And he's sorry. a guy we know. I read too far. Um, uh, Ryan is his name, and he wants to get like a feel for what you're like. Even though we know him, he's like I got to see how you guys shoot, and we're like all right, it's a nice day. Come over to the neighborhood, and I. I know how fucking awkward I am in actual like traditional settings, and I was still way more awkward than I was because he's like, "All right, now look this way, and now look at her, now look at me, now look uh, look at me, but away from the camera." And I'm sitting there, I'm like, "I got a fucking fart!" <laughs> like I was, sit- I was so uncomfortable. Like I started sweating, and I'm like, "That's a fucking really good camera. You're gonna see sweat trickling down." I don't do traditional things very well, so uh, get me good and liquored up for the wedding, boys. Dude, so like, <laughs> no, like to that point, I remember when I was in Tyler's wedding. Tower the teacher's wedding. Yeah, the ph- the photographer was taking pictures of the you know the uh, the groomsmen and then mm-hmm, the, the, mm-hmm. you know the bridal party and shit. And it's like, all right, now you, now you're gonna do this. Now you're gonna do this. Now you're gonna do this. And and it's fucking freezing outside. Yeah, right. Oh god, at Ralph's wedding it was fucking cold that was as shit. Awful. Like they gave us they gave us the blankets that didn't help. But no. anyway, <laughs> but the whole part was like they're like do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And it's maybe 15 degrees outside. Yeah. And I literally go and I literally like I started sh- like screaming. I'm like, can we go inside, please? Like it's getting to be a little much. And then, dude, when you look at some of these pictures, you're like, I love, listen, I love them all to death. Sure. But when, you, when I look at these pictures, I know exactly the thought process. Like, when you see, like, my faces in them, I'm not amused. Yeah, no. I, I pictured it, like, in the middle of it. You're like, I just figured something out. This, this sucks. sucks. Yeah. Big facts. Um, and outside of that, my weekend was uh, was solid. I, I got a, a good Reuben from Pompton Queen on Friday night. That was home. very solid. Um, and, yeah. I mean, outside of that, it was oh. uh, mostly uneventful. Oh, okay. Here, here's So, about the weekend. That This is also kind sure. of funny. That, uh, stuff that we figured out. So, uh, Saturday, I worked a half a day. And then after was uh, senior day for my cousin. Yes, correct, correct. So I go to his football game, and I see that there's this that there's this kid. So my cousin plays defense. He's outside line. Yeah, yeah. And they got this. You kid were texting. At, you're like, yeah. this kid's killing it. Yeah, and they got this kid at cornerback. His name is Xander. Number twenty had, is what you said. Yeah, number twenty, and he has and he has three picks in the second half. Right? Yeah, one for a t- and he had caught a touchdown too. And he caught a touchdown. Yeah, and I, but I missed that. I, yeah. I wasn't there for that, but I heard about it. And I and I texted you about it because you're at, you know about like my cousin PV. Or yeah, because they're playing West Melford. Yeah, maybe about. 
two hours later, I get a text from Dan, and he goes, so that kid number 20 you were telling me about? I go, yeah, what's up? He goes, it's Jared's nephew. Yeah, dude. I'm like, you fucking kidding? I, I, um, his sister posted some stuff. He won, like, one of the players of the week in New Jersey yeah, um, this week. To have. And uh, I, I said, like, my boy was at the game texting me about number 20 killing it, and then I saw you post. I'm like, holy shit, it's Xander. I knew that kid when he was fucking born, dude. Really? Yeah, that's, I was like, well, that's really cool. Kid's a stud ass. Yeah, yeah, that's stud that's ass. really cool, man. But wearing, uh, his, wearing his brother's number, too. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, nice. it's really cool. Cool, man. Uh, that's hyped. All right. Why don't we get into this stuff? Um, I'll go first because uh, we'll go because, you know, it's a album, movie, movie, and then we'll go into our picks. Um, you gave me an unconventional album for you, an unconventional album for me. Um, came out 2017. Lords, Pure Heroin. And for some reason, I wrote down Pure Heaven. I don't know if you mispronounced it at first or if I just misheard. Um, Lords, Pure Heroin, 2017. Everyone knew the single Royals. You couldn't fucking escape it. It was everywhere for a solid two years, I'd say. And it's still in a lot of places. Sure. That's all I really knew of the album, or so I thought. There is another single that once I heard it, I was like, oh, I know this song. Um, first time I listened to it, I was like, eh, eh. Yeah, right. Then I listened to it again, I was like, oh, oh, oh. And then the, eh. Oh, went, hmm, hmm. It, it does grow Then I was like, you. oh, okay, I get it. And I ended up liking it a lot. There's only one song on here. I gave a one. Then outside of that, the lowest, I think there was one that was a two. Um, it's a very long album. It's like a, almost a full hour album. There's a lot of shit on here. Not shit, but a lot of songs I, on I here. I know what you're saying. Um, so the first thing I'll say about the album as a whole is it is incredibly well produced. And on a pop album, I think the production value is one of the most important things. I've recently raved about the Billie Eilish album, um, and the production quality on it is second to none. It sounds great, and this album sounds sensational. Yeah. It's mixed incredibly well, so I really appreciated that. Uh, the first song on the album is Tennis Court. Really cool sound. The themes of it are like I'm this, you're that, or that's what we want to be. About envy and expectations. Love the chorus on it. Gave that a three. 400 Lux was really good. I gave that a four. It's about seeing someone you like, but it's not, like you're seeing someone, but it's not serious. You enjoy your time with them. Very, very catchy again. Royals, I liked more listening to it on the album. I gave that a three listening back. Ribs, love the verse, verse, not the chorus. Gave that a three. Buzzcut Season was the first song where I was like, alright, this is, this is dope. I gave that a four. That was the best sound on the album. Now, Team is the other single okay. that I didn't love. I give that a two. It's not bad. All right. um, the chorus was a little irritating for me, and just shut the fuck up and throw your hands up in the air. Yeah, she's I, <laughs> um, I, I appreciate the theme of the song, but the chorus doesn't do it for sure. me. Sure. I can see that. Um, Glory and Gore is awesome. That song fucking slaps. I gave that a four. Uh, Still Sane was a two. I thought it was a little boring, but it's a unique song at least, so I can't shit on it too much. Um, White Teeth Teens was a three. Lyrics not as catchy as the beat. It's a very easy song to bop to. A World Alone was a three. No Better was a three. It was the opposite of the other song. Love the chorus, but the verse is a little rough for me. Yeah. So it was the opposite of team. Um, on uh, No Better, what, what was I on? Uh, no Better was three. Um, bravado. Her, her voice is at its best in this song until the very last song. Um, it, it has the best range on the album, and it's like a brooding epic. I really like that song. That's a four. This is the only song I hated was Million Dollar Bills. That one annoyed the shit out of me from beginning to end. Okay. Uh, it's the only one on there that I could say I genuinely did not like have an appreciation for. It just seemed like a filler song. Um, and you get those on these albums sometimes. Sure. Um, the Love Club, four. Very, very catchy. My favorite song on the album is the second to last song, Biting Down. It's weird that I like that one because it's very repetitive. Yeah. But it has a very Nine Inch Nails feel to it. Sure. The, 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 the 
production on this song stands above the rest of the album, which it's all very well produced. But the production on this one is awesome. I fucking love this song. That's a five. And Swingin' Party was a three. I thought that was her best vocals, not the range necessarily, but her voice sounded almost like crooning. She has a bit of a crooner kind of voice. It's a very simple song for the last song on the album. Um, And it's a very solid song on a very, very solid album. I ended up liking this more, way more than I was expecting to. And the fact that multiple listens, it grew on me a little bit more each time speaks volumes on the depth of the album. When when I first heard Royals when it came out, I was like, this isn't for me. And even that kind of grew on me until it grew on me too much. Yeah, but right. fitting into this album, it works better. I'm going to give this album a three and a half out of five. Um, liked it way, way more than I was expecting. There's something unique about this in the scope of uh, radio pop because outside of Royals, I don't think there's a radio single on this album. No, Royals was the big hit. Yeah, um, but a very, very good album. Very, very talented writer. I read up a little bit about she wrote Royals in 30 minutes. Yeah, that, which is crazy when you have a hit and, like and that. And you look at the lyrics on it. It's a very deep song. Um, and the themes of the album are really deep. So I did end up liking this a lot more. So I'm going to give it a solid three and a half out of five. That is a bit of a surprise. I was expecting you to fully hate it. No, wow. it was... I, I I really try to like appreciate some of this stuff. And I'm honest when I don't like it. Like yeah. I told you, there was one song on here I didn't like. And right. it didn't diminish the album for me at all. Yeah, no. Like I said, it's one that's a little unconventional because sure. there's only so much metal I can give you. Yeah, so... Um, tell your movie. Yes, yeah, so you gave me the descent, and I rewatched it because I hadn't seen it in years. I rewatched yeah. it with the landlord over the weekend. Uh-huh. Okay, so fresh in my mind, and I do have to talk to you about the ending because there's no, different. I, I know there's two different endings. There's two different endings. Okay, yeah, no, I, I believe me. I, I went I went in deep. Okay, this. good. Uh, so this movie gave me a big case of the fuck yous. Yeah, Basically, dude. What I mean by that is there like there's a lot of jump scares, and there's a lot of times like you jump scares. Fuck you, like, and you know? it's very. Claustrophobic. I fucking hate this when movie. she was in the fucking the stuck, dude. This is so, <laughs> so the, the the crippling anxiety this movie gave me was fucking astronomical. Did its job. The the first half of the movie, which is is, is a horror film, but because, uh, so essentially it's this group of women. Um, it starts out heartbreaking. So it's just really this woman, Sarah. You know, she's off on this whitewater rafting adventure with her friends. Her husband and her daughter come pick her up, and then you like you, uh, you see that her friend Juno has like this weird uh, interaction with her husband. Yes. And that immediately, yep, they're sleeping together. Yeah, they're, they're banging. Juno, who's actually kind of hot. Yeah. And <laughs> she, then, so here's. She's a six. So then, uh, <laughs> six, five. Yeah, yeah for sure. Okay. Uh, and then, like, then you have a final destination death where, like, the pipes come through the windshield and kill the dad and the, and, way and they, the daughter. The way they set that up where he's, like, looking at her and you just see him veering the tiniest bit and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And then they crash and then you're not expecting the pipes. Right yeah. through. Well, so here, so here's what's fucked is that like they give you the bird's eye view, yeah, what it looked like, and then you see the <laughs> pipe go through, and you like it's not really told until she wakes up in the hospital that the daughter's dead, but it's assumed, yeah. And then the way you know the news is broken to her, so she's fucking tragic, yeah. Uh, so then uh, her friend Juno then gets like this group of people together a year later, a, a year later, this girl Holly, this other girl. So Sam, it's implied guess, every Beth. year these girlfriends get together and go on like some kind of adventure. Yeah, facts. So they're like, all right, we're gonna go spelunking in this cave system, and you know, by the way. So, Fuck that. Yeah, it's like, who wants to do that? That doesn't sound fun. Oh, unless I'm Batman, no. No, no <laughs> shot. So um, they go into this cave system, which then you learn um, isn't actually traversed. Like, it wasn't ever explored It wasn't fully. the one that they were thought they were going to. Yeah, Juno but, had it on there. They told the park rangers, and if you don't report back by the end of the day, they send people to look for you. Yeah. And Juno decided, we need more risk. Well, so they were going to do it, and the big thing was, like, they were going to they were gonna uh, be the first one to discover this cave. Well, and Juno then, just decided that on yeah, her own. Well, yeah, this, you know, find the cave. And then they were going to explore it, and then they were going to name it after her, after somebody, one of them, yeah. either Sarah or herself. Yeah. Um, 
then like the first half of the movie is it it's it's incredibly scary, but it has nothing to do with the monsters. No, right it's real life scary. It's kind of like in the idea of like an open water yeah, where they're stuck in the I ocean or gravity. I, like I absolutely hated it. And then when Sarah gets stuck, it's a very real moment. Because, oh, dude, because like you know, she's claustrophobic. You know, it's I, I'm very claustrophobic to begin with. Yeah, same. So then like when, when she's stuck and she's like you hear you hear panting like she's running her out breathing, of breath while she's trying, which to is making it worse. Help, and then you know obviously there's anxiety there, so she's freaking the fuck out. Um, and uh, so she's crawling down, and then she's you know she gets unstuck. I forget. Her friend how. comes and helps her. Helps her, and, and then, then the, the fucking it starts cave collapsing. Crashes. They leave the rope bag behind because it's collapsing. Yeah. So their only way in yeah. and out has now caved in. So here's here's I've never watched a movie that had such an emphasis on climbing equipment. Yeah, and dude. The quality of climbing equipment. <laughs> I know, which I thought like, was a great touch. It's so silly. I know, but it's such a little thing that can yeah. it, it accentuate the anxiety of the setting. Sure. So now now that they're all like now that they're all like kind of settled in and that, but they're, they're kind of settled in but then they know they're kind of fucked and they're stuck yeah. and they realize that this is the right not the right key system we're fucked here. Um that's when shit kind of starts going south. But and these fucked up creatures they're called crawlers. Crawlers. And I thought one of the interesting touches before you even see the crawlers when they're going through there and you see like the ancient cave paintings yeah. which shows there's another way out which to me my first warning sign be like oh shit there were people living down here yeah, yeah there's, there's not good it's just, listen it's an it's an entire colony of golems yeah that's that, golems and also the other thing they look like vampires the first too. time you know that people because they, they were saying no one's ever been down here yeah. it traversed it as you said was when they were trying to get across that cliff system that like uh, that gap yeah, the, the, and you saw the old climbing equipment and she was like this is hundreds of years it was, old uh, the, 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 the chasm? Yeah, yeah. Chasm? Yeah, chasm? dude, and they drop the thing down there, and you don't hear it actually clank for, like, 15 seconds? Yeah, but so, like, Fuck that. so like they have to, like, Tomb Raider themselves across, and then the one lady who, the last one has to get the climbing equipment back. Which is Juno, yeah. Sarah left all the shit, and that's when like, she falls, mm -hmm. but, like, you know, they, they yeah. save her or whatever, and it's like, this is 100 years old, you can't use this shit. Yeah. And I'm like, whatever, dude, who cares? Um, now when the crawlers come in... You first start to see, like, little so silhouettes. It, so it really turns into Sarah takes a walk down this one tunnel, and then she sees one. She start, Then she tells everybody. I saw a man. I, I saw somebody down there. It's like, what do you mean you saw somebody? She starts freaking out, starts screaming, help, help, help. And now we're in the bird's eye view of a, of a night vision camera. And then it just flashes, and then that's your first jump scare. <laughs> and the fucking thing just comes out, and that's the first well, fuck to, you. Uh, uh, well, that is the first fuck you, but the, the Actually, part the second fuck you, because the first one is the is when they're sleeping in the when she's sleeping in the lodge, and she has the dream of the pipes coming through the yeah, fucking window. That part. Fuck you. But there is another part where it's like, holy shit, is when um, they think they're getting out. They're, they found an exit, and the girl that they just became friends with uh, falls down the fucking the, the hole. Breaks her leg. And her leg, compound fracture, snap. Yeah. Disgusting. So then the board party's like, oh, I have to reset the bone. Do Yo, when they show that, and it's like intense. It's gross. So we get the night vision scare when you first see it, and it's like, it just pans so perfectly, yeah. and it just, it doesn't move. It just stands there, and then it latches down. So now shit starts going crazy. Crazy because now I forget how the girls that uh, like they all get you know they all have their own separate groups like they, they split all, up they yeah. split up right. Um, the craziest part of this movie is when Juno kills Beth. Yeah, by she um, she just killed one. She's yeah. like a badass. She fought off a crawler, killed it with her pickaxe. Gets up and then and turns then around. And you, and she, she hears someone walking. She turns around. She takes a pickaxe right to this chick's throat. Right through. Bang. And then, but like and now, it's implied that she's dead. That the woman that she well, exactly she killed, Beth she asked dead. her, "Don't leave me. Don't yeah. leave me." Then she leaves her, but she rips something off of uh, it was the, Juno. It was the necklace. It was a necklace. It's like uh, like uh, bless this day or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, which was Sarah's husband's phrase, which was established earlier in the movie. Yes. So now you kind of plant the seed, like, oh shit, everything's gonna come to light. So I, I do have problem 
problems with this is because so uh, th- th- basically the girls get picked off one by one and they also get, they all get killed in different ways. Yeah. The best one the one the best one one of them is killed is that she's trying to traverse across she gets attacked by a crawler and then she's hanging there. Oh yeah yeah. That was wild. Bites her neck out or yeah. rips her neck out but she stabbed it. Yeah. She falls in the water it. and then Juno ends up in the water with it. You think it's dead? Yeah. And it comes back and another fuck you scare. She stabs it. Stabs it again. I thought the scene when um Sarah ends up in the blood lake was yeah. that's that's the iconic shot from it was well, there's two iconic well, shots. Yeah, no, it was great. It was great when they did it in Carrie first. Yeah, well, that was different. That got dumped on her. She fell in it this time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but uh, all in all, I mean, it's not really a terrible movie. But so the one thing I do want to say is that towards the end, um, when Sarah finds Beth, right? Sarah yeah. finds Beth because Beth is dragged off and it's implied that she's dead. Yeah. But then he, uh, you know, Sarah finds her. She's dying, but she's she, alive. Oh, she's she's on her way out. Yeah. And uh, so like it's like. She, she tells Sarah that, you know, don't trust Juno. Juno did this to me, blah, blah, blah. And then also, like, at the very end, she's, like, right before, like, she's asking, like, you have to kill me is, uh, you know, and Paul. And it's one of the, I, I shouldn't she, I shouldn't have laughed, but, like, but, 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 like the, the, the noise that she made was just, like, uh, just looked at it and goes, oh. Well, that's when it's also revealed to Sarah that your friend was banging your husband, and it also unravels why she didn't really talk to her friend after her husband and, and, and daughter died. And this is why I got annoyed, because, like, why, why the fuck in the middle of this do I need a general hospital-type fucking scene? Because you need like, it. just get out of here. Because <laughs> they set up the general hospital scene in the very first scene they of the really movie. really did, yeah. Um... So now uh, I forget how the other people die. So now it's basically down, it's off, basically yeah. down to Juno and Sarah. And Sarah basically might as well be Sarah fucking Connor. Yeah, she she's starts mur- wrecking shit. people left and right. And then there's a Mortal Combat scene where it's three and of the Juno's wrecking everyone too. Yeah, everyone's killing each other. And then Sarah asks Juno point blank about Beth, about all the people, about her husband. And then just like just she's covered in blood and looks and just like. Let's go. Then they walk down. She has the fucking pickaxe, and then when she and she reveals the necklace. Yeah. Right. And then instead of like you know letting her go, he uh, she hits her with the pickaxe in it. the leg. Yeah. And then uh, she takes off. So as she's and run- leaves, and, and then and Juno, leaves Juno and Juno's sitting there thinking, right. "I got this." Right. So Juno pulls the thing out of her leg, and as she's running, as Sarah's running away, you hear Juno screaming in the background. But then you also have a wide shot of all these crawlers. Yeah. This is some of the worst CGI. Oh, I've of ever course. Seen at that point, it's movie. bad CGI. It's also 2005, and it also was a low budget movie. Correct. Yeah. Um, well, so another thing I learned about this movie uh, before I before I say the ending and what I really liked about it, both endings really, was um, this movie was. Was filmed entirely on a set, nothing on location. Yep. So they had to use the same set pieces because of the which low budget. Which is wildly impressive. Which is cool because if you look at some of the shots, the best shot is when they're all spelunking down into the cave initially. Yeah. That's one of the better shots of the movie. Agreed. Not the up shot because no, she's coming down. That looks like shit. I know what you're like saying. Like when Juno's the first one coming down, you mm-hmm. have the wide shot. That yeah. one looks nice. Um, so the end of the movie is that Sarah finds a way out, and she's which is an iconic these... shot. Her coming out of there. That was yeah. like one of the shots of the movie. It was. Uh, it was like it was like a heaven. Type it was like thing. it was like an. Uh, uh, Ace Ventura when nature calls when he comes out of the rhino. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And uh, so she gets out. She runs to the car. She's driving like a fucking crazy person. Gets to a paved road. Stops and has a good cry. Yeah, good puke. Uh, yeah, good puke. The final destination, two truck flies past her with the fucking trees and yeah, shit. Yeah, blaring. Yeah. And then... Uh, and then, like, she comes back when she, after she pukes out the window. She comes back, and Juno's in the passenger seat. She screams. The movie ends. Yeah. Now that is the was the that was the, the that was the U.S. ending. That was the U.S. ending. The 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 ending after that, which the U.S. decided with me a little too like a uh, little too fucking and I morbid. Liked, I like the U.K. ending better. Yeah. Which be, again, but that would be a little too morbid. I un- yeah. I understand why they took it out. Um, 
it, it's again. So the the very the real last scene is Sarah wakes up again in the. Cave she sees system. the dead Juno in the car. She wakes up and she thinks she sees what is her daughter's birthday cake, like her vision early in the movie. Yeah, like she's having a birthday cake with like her daughter. Yeah, same thing. She's having like. But what or that whatever. that fire is isn't the candles. It's her torch. Right. She's still in the fucking cave. She's still the go. Yeah, she's still in the cave, and all the crawlers are, are going yep. towards her. So she's gonna rip the part, and then the movie ends. Yeah. Uh, all in all, the movie gets like a. F- uh, I'll give it like a five six. Okay. I won't watch it again. Okay, that's um, fair. Shitty CGI. There were a couple things I didn't. Uh, again, the other thing too is that they're both badasses. They turn the Mortal Kombat. And yeah, that's all at the same that's time. my biggest issue with it. Where all of a sudden, a Juno being a badass was kind of established in the beginning, but Sarah suddenly turned into this feeble, grieving widow and mother. Just turns into to, this fucking ultimate badass. That is my only. Cu- that's my only real beef with it. But as far as an atmosphere kind of horror movie, mm. I do. I do think it was scarier before the crawlers came in. Then it just gets very. Intense, I think, but um, yeah, I um, fair. So fair. Th- this movie could have benefited without the crawlers, in my opinion. If you could have, because you know why, it even was, just one that was picking was, them off. It was a better movie when it was just spelunking and shit going wrong in a cave, like 127 hours type yeah. shit. When it's more real life, I, I shit. think I think you could have done the same thing. But if you had like one like super strong crawler that was like crawling in and out of all these little holes, yeah. rather than like a family of, I think the concept of that is actually kind of interesting. No, the idea is. that thousands of feet below earth that there could be these like mole people living which has been a theory for god knows how long yeah, dude, so, yes. it's not that wild to think no dude the fucking mole people from south park yeah i did like that they were all blind and that they only go by sound i thought yeah. that like when the one it's when, when when she comes out of the blood lake and she's sitting there and the one just stands on her i'm yeah. like that's how i feel when i wake up my cats are walking on my fucking face but all right um we'll get to t- josh's movie in a second because we do that after we do our picks right yep. okay I was thinking about what to give you this week. Um, I we actually had some conversations about uh, horror remakes. You know, there's some really good ones: The Crazies, uh, Hills Have Eyes, The Thing, obviously, The Dawn of the Dead remake's pretty good. And I remember there's one horror remake that I think is like the quintessential horror remake, and it happens to be a remake of one of the greatest horror films of all time. Um, it's obviously not the original, but it's actually yesterday was the 30th anniversary of this movie coming out. And I actually had given Ralph this movie once, and of course Ralph doesn't like things that are good more often than not, um, as far as movies go. Facts. So I'm going to give you the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead. Directed okay. by Tom Savini, who is the the Godfather of Gore, the guy who did all the gore in Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. Uh, he did Friday the Thirteenth. He is literally the Godfather. I mean, he directed it, and George A. Romero and Russo, who did Return of the Living Dead, helped him produce it okay. and write some of it. Now everyone knows the story of Night of the Living Dead. Um, it was one of the first movies to cast a black hero in a role um, that make him just a hero with no racial uh, um, actual like things at the forefront of it. The girl Barbara in the beginning. John, her brother Johnny gets killed in the very beginning, and then she becomes like a mute almost. Now, what this remake does is it kind of takes those basic tropes of the original one and spins them a little bit. It's still in the house. It still starts out in the cemetery, and it's still the same cast of characters: the Coopers, the little girl, the uh, the two uh, the two rednecks that are from See, the farm. I was hoping you give me like the Evil Dead remake. I actually like that one. Well, you've seen it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I want to watch it again. <laughs> you could still watch it. No, but like I you can watch do- the original Evil Dead too. No, <laughs> but the evil, I do like the original. It's evil great. Dead. Yeah. So um, the big things in this that end up being different is the character of Barbara is a completely different take on the character. She's yeah. not feeble. She's not a mute. And, of course, everyone remembers the ending of the original Night of the Living Dead. One of the most classic endings where you think um, Ben survived, and then he comes out of the fucking uh, the cellar, and they shoot him because they think he's a zombie. One of the most classic endings of all time. It was shocking because you never saw the hero get killed in a movie. I saw this? The original Night of the Living Dead? I saw this, right? 
The original? Yeah, that's I'm talking I'm about the remake. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. You've seen the original? Yeah, I've seen the original. Okay. That, that, that's why I'm just getting confused. I'm yeah. Sorry. In the, I'm saying in the original, that's the ending, is that Ben gets killed at the very end. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So right. I thought you were saying the that ending, was the remake. I'm so, like, don't tell me the no, ending. No, no, no. I'm not going to tell you the ending. All I'll tell you is the ending takes a really interesting risk. Makes a hard left turn? Yeah. It, I remember when I saw this, because I've told the story a thousand times. My dad let me watch the original Night of the Living Dead when I was seven years old, and the very next day, he had me watch the remake, which is this one. And I, the remake actually had scared me a little bit more, because the zombie, the makeup in it's great, the zombies look great, um, it's bright, it's on in black and white, obviously. Tony Todd, who plays the Candyman, um, he's one of the biggest icons in horror, um, he plays the role of Ben. Uh, I love the ending of this. I think it's one of the most premier horror remakes there is. To me, it's like, outside of the thing, it's the standard bearer in horror remakes. Okay. And what's crazy is Tom Zavini wasn't happy with it because the studio wouldn't let let him do like 70% of his ideas. Really? And it still turned out pretty damn good. It was weird when it came out. It was instantly compared to the original and didn't get uh, as much love as it should have. And now, in hindsight, it's like looked at as this horror classic. Okay. So I want to give you the Night of the Living Dead remake from 1990. Um, uh, I'm excited to see what you have to say about it. Uh, It's a very high quality remake cool I can't wait uh, I'll probably uh, I mean I'll definitely gotta check it out yeah but like, I'm just, I'm just getting, maybe just get a little burnout of zombies but so maybe I'm not stoked on it but do you want me it. to give you something different nah fuck it let's do it I'm in okay uh, just like listen that's the way it works okay uh, so for my album this week the front man of this band it, this is his first band okay he is he is formally he is more well known for his band Rage Against the Machine. Okay, is this Run the Jewels? No, no. <laughs> I know I'm no, kidding. Run the he just played with them over run the weekend. The jewels fast. Run he, them, run them he just jewels played fast. with them over the weekend, yeah, and that's some fucking thing. So this is Zachy De La Rocha's first band. Okay, and this is the early hardcore scene from the 1990s. The band is called Inside Out, and the album is called No Spiritual Surrender. Um, this is really the pinnacle of hardcore music. Um, it's hard to believe. That this is where the Zacky De La Rosa really got his start was in hardcore music, because if I mean you have some idea of like the ly- like the lyrics where they came from because it was it was the this album wasn't so political, whereas it was more of a of a of a. What the fuck? A, a spiritual album, I guess okay. You say, from a lyrical okay. perspective, it's hardcore music. It's, so you so can, it's it's kind of like introspective almost. Yeah, it's but it's, at least from a from a lyric standpoint, at, at its core, at its core, it's hardcore music. Okay. Um, but what year is this from? Nineteen ninety. Okay. So very it cool. Really fucking. It really fucking slaps. And then actually, they were gonna write a second record, but the band broke up, and the name of the album was called Raging It's the Machine. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. So he took that, and the reason, the big reason that uh, the band even broke up was because De La Rocha wanted to incorporate hip-hop and more industrial sounds. Gotcha. Which then turned into Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, and it's crazy with Rage when you think the industrial sound just came from Tom Morello's guitar. Pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, I, I was really... I couldn't... I didn't really know that Z- uh, De La Rocha was even part of another band, at least that released other music. Okay. Um, this The reason why I even found this out was because I watched the Bane documentary that came out holding these moments. Gotcha, gotcha. And the, the, the original bass player of Bane was going through all the, all the bands that he had listened to, and he said, there were, you know, in the California hardcore scene... Even though they were in Massachusetts, they were uh, re- they were going through all these different seven inches, and he pulled out this one of Zacky De La Rocha and Inside Out, and he looked at it and he goes, 
yeah, that looks cool. I'm going to buy that. He bought that and he got into hardcore from there. And I was like, wait a minute. You mean like that? And I, and I like, the what do you mean the battery's against, dead? Like, like the Rage Against the yeah, Machine yeah. guy. And then I listened to it. It doesn't sound like him at all. Okay. But it's just very interesting to hear the humble beginnings of this. I guy. always find that interesting when you can see like how bands and bands or artists started out. Like if you go listen to Slipknot's Meet, Feed, Kill, Repeat, it's completely different so, than what they were with the, Slipknot. The fucking jazz break? The jazz break and do nothing bitch so slap. Stupid. But when you could see those, those humble beginnings, like you said, yeah. um, to where guys started out and where their vision ultimately ended up, yeah. I'm actually really excited. I didn't listen to this. As a big Rage Against the Machine fan, I never, yeah. I didn't know about this myself. I found out within the last week. Awesome. Okay. So it was fucking. It, it's, it's, it's. I'm surprised at how much I. Well, it's it, hardcore music. I love hardcore. Yeah, of music, course. But like in the '90s, it was, it was a little more of a weirder sound. It was a little more of like of an, a uh, garage kind of sound to that early hardcore. Yeah. I would say. So a, a lot of people they some, didn't know how to mix that shit back then. No, nobody knew. So some. This is actually a good thing. I want to. I wanted to just bring up real quick because someone asked me the other day is like you know like uh, like hardcore music and punk rock what's the difference and I'll, and oh. this is my answer there isn't because yeah. the, what hardcore exactly. music, what hardcore music is now is what original punk rock yeah was. that's 100 exactly true what it that's is. the very very good um, point because a lot of people like well isn't like metalcore and like punk rock like green day and the sex pistols i go you're right it is but punk but punk but punk music is also you know the germs yeah and sunny day real estate technically even though that's much lighter i but, mean if you put on like a band like the casualties you can't differentiate from suicidal, hardcore music yeah from suicidal tendencies suicidal yeah. tendencies minor threat uh uh Fucking Marauder. Yeah. All these bands, they're hardcore bands. No, they're punk rock bands. Well, and then they the, called it the, hardcore. The thing most people don't seem to understand is just because it doesn't necessarily sound exactly the same, mm. the breakdowns, the the key they play in, um, the way the drummer and the bass play, the rhythm yeah. section, they're they're identical. Well, the other, so the other two big examples I always give people is like, well, what's the difference? I go, listen to the Bad Brains first record mm -hmm. and go listen to Fugazi's self, self-titled record. You will know which, which is hardcore and which is punk rock. Fugazi is punk rock. The Bad Brains is hardcore. And it's... It's just it's, it's such a distinct difference between both bands, but everyone will say, nope, they're both hardcore. It's just it, it's such a weird paradigm to be in because everyone always likes again. Listen, for a country that hates labels, we like labeling everything. Of course, we do. Even in this even in this genre and this scene, and this is a particular one where it's like it doesn't matter. It's all hardcore yeah. music. Okay. So that's just I just someone asked me and I actually had to think introspectively for once. Yeah. For, well, nice. I'm glad you finally at age 28 figured it out. Yep, man. <laughs> nice. All right, Calabunga, jo dude. Joshua, um, yes. you decided this week you were going to watch um, a classic that was uh, a direct offshoot. You know, might as well be a spiritual sequel to Friday the 13th. Right. Give me, give me dark. Um, yeah. Uh, now not we're her in here. We'll wait All a second. Facts, yeah. Facts, facts, um, so Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. Sleepaway Camp. Um, I didn't watch this in years, man. I was so excited to watch this again, and I, I loved it so much more this time around. I always liked it, yeah. but I was like, this is fucking great. This is the quintessential B-movie. Uh, B-slasher bootleg Friday the 13th, yeah. but... It has a great ending. Yeah, it does. So this is one of those movies where it's so bad that it's good. Yeah, it's so... Terribly acted. Terribly acted. Great kills. There's some yeah. really good kills in it, and there's a loom of mystery throughout it, so there's there's a, a web that's weaved that is very well done, but everything else is very hokey. Yeah. It's very poorly directed. It's very poorly acted. Right from the very beginning. So <laughs> so this movie starts, there's a, a family swimming in the lake, a dad, his <laughs> son, and his daughter, and they're on a fucking... With catamaran. his new girlfriend. With his new girlfriend, yes, who is a man. Uh, and they're on a catamaran. Yes. And they're across the lake from this camp. Yes. And you've got the... one Hi, of landlord. the one, Hi, landlord. Hey. Hey. You've got one of the camp counselors, and he's got somebody on the skis behind the boat that he's towing. Yes. 
And you obviously <laughs> see where it's going right away. You know, okay, this boat is going to crash into these fucking yeah. kids. Yeah. So these people are going to die, dude. <laughs> so the inevitable happens. The guy lets the girl drive the boat. And, and there's the first problem. <laughs> She's not paying They can't attention. operate heavy machinery. And then That's he's like, you got to turn the boat, turn the boat. You start seeing the boat going towards the dad and the kids. <laughs> and the dad turns in the water, sees the boat coming, and goes, oh! It was literally, oh, my God. <laughs> fucking troll two. Troll two, yeah. So the boat crashes over the fucking catamaran. You see the dad is dead. He's floating in the water. And then you see... One kid swimming away, and then a life vest, and then it's left in mystery as to what happened. So you know, at least is it though? You, um, is it though? Well, no, because it, no, hold on. So what you're saying is like it's implied that something awful. Well, happened. No, it's it's like, definitely confir- that, it's what? definitely confirmed that the father and one of the kids died, and then the second kid they kind of leave up to mystery until they show that it was the aunt that adopted uh yeah. the, the aunt adopted the surviving kid who was um what's his name uh her name rather Angela Angela um Angela survives and that's when we decide to go to camp right and Angela's quiet she's get bullied she gets picked on she makes some friends she gets kissed mm-hmm. you get your typical um 80 <laughs> slasher hijinks she gets bullied she you gets know kissed. you got the popular kids you got the bullies you got the hot girl who's not hot she was hot. See, the thing is, 80s hot was weird. Yeah, that's true. 80s hot was very, very weird. Unless you're Farrah Fawcett. And also, yeah, that's that's true. Um, I would say 50s to 80s hot were weird. It was also very hard to judge boobs back then because all the bras were like pyramids. Yeah. And they all had pointy boobs. <laughs> you're in the forest. You're so, in the forest with Heather Lockley. Things, <laughs> and you're very warm. Things start getting uh, things start getting weird. People start getting killed. Get, start so. getting hurt, then killed. Yeah. So it starts out with the cook. Uh, the cook tries to... Uh, take Angela into the freezer, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, um, for a nice little molestation. Yes. I wouldn't call it nice or little. It was a big molestation yes. attempt. It uh, wasn't nice. So no. her cousin, who goes to camp with her, finds it, gets her out of there, and... The, uh, the, the cook wasn't fired. No, the cook was not fired. <laughs> 80s. The good old days, as Mitch so, McConnell would call so A little bit later, the, the cook is cooking a giant pot of corn. Literally giant. It's like a four foot tall yeah, it's fucking like, pot filled with like, like, water like a, and corn. Like on the like on it's the like cob. one that Wiley Coyote would get from Acme. Yeah. <laughs> so he's standing on this chair, stirring <laughs> the pot, and someone walks into the kitchen and pulls the chair out from under him, and he pulls this giant pot of boiling water onto himself, and you see him laying on the floor again, terribly acting, yeah. screaming. Oh, it's hilarious. Ah! This and, just this just sounds like the worst version of like what hot American song. It is. It, it kind of is. is. And that's why it's great. So, you know, the the rest of the movie goes on. Like Dan said, there's, you know, there's a kiss. There's uh, a little so bit. So people are bullied or start getting killed. People yeah. go missing. They accuse uh, her one friend of being the person. They that's her cousin of being. Her killed. cousin of being the one that's killing everyone and making people get hurt and disappear. Now, meanwhile, throughout the whole movie, I think it's fair to say it's obvious that it's Angela that is yeah. the killer. It's, it, it's pretty obvious. That, at that point, you got to think, okay, it's Angela. Because it's, again, on the, fr- the Friday the 13th kept their hand a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but at the same time i can't say they necessarily did because the actual twist is what the kicker is here and it is a great twist so finally it's revealed that angela is the killer okay right but it turns out angela is not angela they implied that her brother died or um that yeah that her brother died but she was her brother 
And so the boy actually didn't die. The aunt wanted a daughter her whole life. So she took this little boy that survived after his father and sister were killed and turned him into a girl. How progressive of them. Oh, honestly, at the time, it, yeah. it was like a huge fucking deal. Like, it was a shock ending. The first time I saw it, I was like, holy shit. I'm like, that's a really interesting ending. Yeah. And it, it was a big risk. And now it would be called trans... No, it would actually be called transphobic now if they yeah. do that because they would imply in the transgender... Even though this kid was not transgender by any way of birth by, you know, design. That mm -hmm. the aunt was really... There were two bad guys in here that the aunt just completely manipulated this person emotionally. Yeah. Um, it was a shocking ending that produced, I think, three terrible sequels. Yeah. At least two terrible sequels. Yeah, two terrible sequels that there were really, really great boobs in. Yes, they, that, <laughs> that was what they... See, that was a thing with slashers <laughs> oh, yeah. in the 80s that were great is you knew you got gratuitous nudity. Yeah. And that was something that was lost in Scream. There was no gratuitous nudity. You had the sex scene, but you don't get to see Nev Campbell nude. You save that for wild things when she's making out with Denise Richards. Right. Um, but I... I really enjoyed watching this again. It was all I told you about that American Horror Story 1984, the most recent season. Yeah, it was so much like this where it wasn't afraid of being cheesy, it, it, and that's when I have fun with these movies when they're not trying to be anything more than what they are. And why Scream works so well is because it real it was meta. It realized what it was doing yeah. and it played into those stereotypes. And with this one, it played into every slasher stereotype and then stuck in there a great fucking twist. Yeah. I, I mean, there's great twists in horror throughout history. We we're just talking about the original. Night of the Living Dead. Not so much a twist as a shock ending, um, but, you know, Friday the 13th was a great twist ending when the whole time it was Jason's mother who was just, you know, kind of spoken about, not really, see she was seen, but wasn't this person you ever suspected of it, right. or that it was Jason's mother, um, but that was enjoyable, I, um, I, it was funny, because I went back to Letterboxd, and I looked, I originally had it rated at three, and watching again, I'm like, this is a four out of five for me, right. I loved it, I had so much fun watching it again, so what's your movie this week? So this week, uh, I kind of had... I had some trouble kicking this one around because, uh, you know, got this week and next week left. Next week is pretty obvious. I'm not going to say it just in case it's not obvious, and I think it's obvious. Okay. Um, so I, I kicked around a couple of movies, and I settled on one that I think is actually pretty interesting. Okay. I'm going to go with my favorite entry in this particular series. All right, let's I'm going to go with Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Dude, I just watched it the other night. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen New Nightmare, Taylor. No. Nah. Um, so in a lot of ways, that was what led to Wes Craven wanting to come up with Scream, because yeah. a New Nightmare was self-aware. So the whole premise of New Nightmare is it takes the cast, mainly mainly the main girl from the original Nightmare on Elm Street, Heather Langenkamp is the actress's name. She played Nancy. But it's her playing herself. And it's this whole idea of another Nightmare on Elm Street being made. They say Wes Craven's in it. He hasn't gone back to horror in years because he hasn't had nightmares. And it's with her, with her son, and then there's weird things start happening. And it implies the idea that Freddy was so beloved in the, in the real world that he manifested himself in real life. It's a super cool movie. Um, it, honestly, it, I, I go back and forth. My favorite in the franchise, I love the franchise. That's my favorite slasher franchise is Nightmare on Elm Street. The first one will always be the best. But I always go back and forth between what's second best, New Nightmare or Dream Warriors, because Dream Warriors is fucking great. The only thing I've ever done with Wes Craven was uh, he had a video, Clive Barker. Oh, that was oh, Clive Barker, I'm sorry. Was it, well, Clive Barker's Jericho. That was Jericho, yeah. I thought, Clive Barker. Was, I thought it was Wes Craven. Wes Craven, man, he, um, to me, he's the godfather of horror. I guess Alfred Hitchcock really is the godfather of horror, but modern horror, it's Wes Craven before anyone else. When you think about what he's done, created Fre um, Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, but then you go back, Last House on the Left, The Hills Have All. It's just those four alone yep. are unbelievable. And then some other really good ones in there. Um, House by the Cemetery is fucking great. Um, but New Nightmare is awesome. And I think it's... 
outside of the first one, the darkest in it, because it doesn't use as many as the fantastical elements, um, because it's supposed to take place in the real world. Obviously, it's a form of fantasy, because Freddy Krueger becomes real, yeah. but some great kills in here. Her son is actually very, very good in this movie. I literally watched it. That was one of my things I watched this week, was New Nightmare. I fucking love New Nightmare, so dude. Good, dude. It's fucking great. Um, again, that's my favorite of them. Although the last two are pretty bad. Like, Freddy's Dead is horrifically bad. Yeah. There's a th- uh, uh, In the 80s, there were all the 3D horror movies. I loved... I mean, it doesn't count as a Friday the 13th movie, but I loved Freddy vs. Jason. Freddy vs. Jason is so much fun. It's an action movie, dude. It's, and it's a comedy. Yeah. It's got your nose. <laughs> I, just, I, I love when Freddy's hitting the fucking, hitting the settling torches at him, and he's shooting them at him like missiles and shit. Yep, dude, and so he's playing stupid. pinball with him bouncing all around. I wish I could. Great soundtrack. The Freddy vs. Jason soundtrack is fucking great. Yeah, I've never so seen good. so much blood Oh, dude, scene when Jason time. is in the fucking party in the cornfield, he slashes them, and it's just... Like Kill Bill turned up to thirty. It was uh, no at the end when like uh, when uh, Jason yo when Jason ripped Freddy's fucking arm off. That yeah. was fucking awesome. I wish that I could like the Jackie Earl Haley Friday. The th- or, I know Nightmare uh, on Elm Street. Street. It, it, it could have been great. He was good. Yeah. And there was a, a point in the movie where I'm like, this could be good right now if they take this risk. And they teased that Freddy didn't actually do anything. He was innocent. He was framed, set up, and then killed anyway. And that's why he came back. And then they pulled it back. Like, oh no, he's actually a, a child rapist. Yeah. I would have liked if they took that risk because it doesn't necessarily change the core of Freddy Krueger. It just gives him a revenge element, which it was a revenge element in the original, but the actual Freddy Krueger person, the son of a thousand maniacs is what he was called, was a terrible person to begin with. But if you twisted it a little, that could have been interesting. I also, and I love Jackie O'Haley. My biggest complaint was, first off, the CGI face. Because the makeup is what should be doing it. Because right. the makeup in Freddy was so good. And um, he was too small. Like, Freddy, like, you look at um, Robert England. He's a lanky, tall dude. You know who I always thought would be great as Freddy Krueger? And this is out of left field. From Whose Line Is It Anyway? Ryan Styles, The tall, <laughs> lanky guy. Dude, tell me he doesn't have, like, the build for it. Should have, should have Colin Mockery. I, what's funny is that was really bad, but I actually really liked the Friday the 13th remake from 2009. I liked it, too. It was good. It was, I, I liked when he threw the fucking axe at the dude. Yeah, dude. Oh, that was the, cool. the thing I liked very about... Very good titties in that movie. Very yes, great titties. Um, <laughs> the, the thing I liked about that was that it took all the elements elements of the first four Friday the 13th movies, three or four, because everyone seems to forget Jason didn't wear the hockey mask until Friday the 13th 3, and that was the first one that was in 3D, but not the last, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, it was a really underrated remake, and I think that if people, it didn't get like great reviews when it came out, because I, like, what do you want them to do? The most underrated Jason movie is Jason X. I didn't. I actually I, like Jason I, I X. I say yes, so that I don't, I definitively can say this, I don't hate Rob Zombie's first Halloween. I don't hate it, I just, it... There's, I think the the first half of it is okay. Yeah. When it's the whole element of, um, you know, I I don't love giving a character like Michael Myers any form of sympathy. Like when you see he's in this abusive household, but he's still a little bit of a sociopath. I don't like that shred of decency for a character that I believe its scariness comes from zero empathy, no emotional reasoning. Well, th- that that's what made the most recent Halloween movie so fucking. Yeah, it was just back to the original you. core of yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting take, and that you even saw while he had these horrible things going on, he was doing terrible things. Um, and also, Sherry Moon Zombie is one of the worst actresses alive. She's horrible. She's good in Devil's Reject. She's yeah. really good in that. But then when they start getting to like the original concept of Halloween, it just turns into his one of his white trash horror movies, which he's good at making. Yeah, it's a well-made movie. Two is horrible. The worst. Well, it's so. I remember seeing it like I think I saw it in the theater with you. Yeah, I remember watching it, being like. 
What the fuck? Am with I the watching? fucking the, the dream of the horror. He's seen his mom in there. The horror, the horse, whatever. Yeah. It was just fucking bizarre. I respect that he tried to change it up, but he is not this uh, introspective. That's the word of the day, I guess. This deep thinking. He tried making a pretentious slasher <laughs> yeah. with the second one. Um, but the newest Halloween was fucking great. Yeah. It was it was fucking movie. fantastic. Um, I do think um, you need you need to make sure that one I told you about the burning you watch because you will that is eighties horror. It's got a young. Jason Alexander in it, <laughs> like really young, skinny Jason Alexander with a full head of hair. Dude, I, I told you when that uh, when you gave me the new Halloween, though it was like the second or yeah, yeah, yeah. You gave me on the show. I watched the movie. I had to go to my friend's house. <laughs> I was fucking freaked out. I think I think of the, the the slashers. I find Michael Myers definitely the creepiest in the original, just because the the William Shatner mask with no emotion and like, just, like you know, I had to drive. I drove a half hour to my friend's house. Yeah, that's a little. We need to get you like a hypnot uh, like hypnotized. I just I don't. You, know. you will not be scared of anything anymore. Bullshit. And then you start grabbing live electrical wires. <laughs> I'm not scared of anything. I did that today, too. D- did you? It was an Why accident. Why don't you tell us? I no. like when you get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a legit accident. I had to rewire control it on a boiler. Oh, and just and, got uh, shocked. Yeah, well, it's 120 volts, dude. It's yeah. no fucking Like slouch. in the league when Rafi met Randy and they're just giving themselves electroshock therapy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shock uh, us! Alright, Taylor, what'd you watch this week, dude? Uh, I finished Ted Lasso. Again? Um. Well, no, I, because I... Well, oh, you I, finished it and then started it again? Yeah. Okay. Because it's that far Fucking good. Um, I, I I'm pretty much done with The Walking Dead again. Okay. Um, and I, you know it's funny. I stopped exactly where I stopped last time. I just yeah, I don't t- know. we had the discussion before we started recording. You, you you need to change your binging habits. Yeah. You just gotta and, adapt. <laughs> uh, what else did I watch? <laughs> I'm trying to think. I think I did watch... I watched some fucking thing. Oh, I watched the Bane documentary. The Bane documentary was fucking phenomenal. Very good. And then I watched... I did watch one movie besides the one you gave me, and I can't remember what the fuck it was. I think it was a war movie, but it wasn't good. It was uh, Wind Talkers. Oh, Wind Talkers with Nicolas Cage is horrible. <laughs> That's a terrible movie. I think it is Wind Talkers. Because, no, wait. What's the one with Mel Gibson where he says Broken Arrow? We Were Soldiers? No, I didn't watch that one. We Were Soldiers is great. The Vietnam no. one? Yeah, no, I watched the one that was bad. So I watched Wind Talkers. Yeah, yeah Wind Talkers with Nick Cage. That's yeah, a terrible it was movie. It fucking awful. Josh, what'd you watch this week? Uh, nothing really. Uh, just sleepaway I, camp. You know, sleepaway camp. I finished Bly Manor. That was more or less it. Oh, dude, how great was fucking Bly Manor? So good. It was exactly yeah. what I wanted it to be. You know, it's funny. I hear a lot of people that act, like, like legit can't stand it. Well, yeah, all, those people are all cunts. They're all, <laughs> and they're wrong. Here's the thing. I the biggest thing I've heard from people. Oh, it wasn't scary like the first season. Like, no, I, I. I, I don't scare easy, so I could see I could see why though. It's not as dark. Yeah. It's a different kind of there's not there's no real jump scare. There's like one jump scare in the whole thing, while the first season has one of the greatest jump scares in recent memory. And that one is just darker and meaner, I feel like. Yeah. This one was more of a mystery and um more of a tragedy overall, I think. Um I, I'm not kidding you. That ending hit me so fucking hard, dude. I was not expect dude, I, I I Taylor, I wish I was kidding. Like I teared up at the ending and the landlord's like, wow, that guy. To you, it was like, yeah, you know, it's really like uh, I was like, what the fuck is happening to me? I, I for like two minutes, I was like, holy shit, I was not expecting to feel that, but I thought it was just a, a beautiful, beautiful ending, yeah. and the way it all tied together. Um, I, I still think Hill House was better, but I would argue this was better written. Um, for the type of story it was, and those last three episodes were just sensational. Yeah. It was all great, but the last three were just unbelievable. Um, so this week I've been I started watching a uh, Community after Taylor's been recommending I it forever. Fucking love uh, it! I'm dude. absolutely loving Community. I'm like almost done with season two already. Um, just been flying fucking through that. I love it. Um, Josh, you should watch Community too. Community yeah. Community is great, dude. Because like it, I don't know if Josh has watched the League in full though. I have no. Oh, the full. No, okay, I don't remember. Has. You don't make enough Rafi references. Well, no. It's, it's, <laughs> 
it's fine because because there was a good amount of time where like we watched it almost every night, and then he watched a lot with. Oh, us. that's true. Yeah, you watch a lot of episodes with us. That's true. But yeah, like Community's right up your alley because it was like it was an NBC show before like Dude. before Parks and Recreation, before The Office was really like a big you know, big time I, hit. I have to say that. Um, that whole time period from like 2000, we'll call it 2007 to like 2016, 15, 16, NBC had network comedy figured out. Yeah. Fucking CBS was just the same tired bullshit that's oh, been God, for we're, fucking 40 to 50 years. They basically yeah. just you make know, bad stand-up punchlines and put you know, a laugh track over it. You know, with the exception of Big Bang Theory, but Big Bang Theory, you're not, no, 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 no. How I Met Your Mother. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. I was, I was at to throw my phone at you. <laughs> Did you notice how we didn't correct him? Because we, we couldn't believe I, what he was I, saying. I literally, Taylor, this was my face. He started saying Big Bang Theory and I went, yeah, no. no, I, no. Like, I was like, come With on. the exception of How I Met Your Mother, which is still kind of in the vein of that type of comedy. Different though, laugh track, it, but it was different. Like it was a more mature level of sure, very much sure. Was, you know, where I've watched, what seen some Big Bang Theory, and watched some I, of that. I don't love How I Met Your Mother, but I get it. I more. mean, like yeah. you still have some big time scenes. I mean, like to me, like from watching shows, like there's a lot of scenes that stick out to me. Like one of the best scenes that I like, I was like, I, I can't believe the show made me feel like this was when Jason Segel's father dies, and yeah. then Lily has to break the news to him. Yeah, it's one of the most real because like so well, that's the way a good sitcom works well, is where the characters so, can do a million dumb things, so, but you bring in this emotional what, element where you care. So what's cool when they filmed that scene is that you know uh, all, all Jason Segel was told is that it's going to be it's, it's it's a big announcement and you have to we want a natural reaction so he had no idea yeah I that read was, that actually that I was a read, genuine reaction like that. and he's like you know he's, I'm just going to react to it and that's yeah. that's what that was that was a one take thing yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off but like that yeah, was uh, um, but no but like, I'm was, so happy they, you love they how they I figured out the dry comedy yeah. where you know and the, the community cast is great it's Joel McHale who I fucking love Allison Brie who I just want to let sit on my fucking ass um, sit on my ass. Jillian Roberts, who I like a lot, and she was on the show Love on Netflix, which was really good. Um, Chevy Chase, Donald Glover, the Indian guy or Muslim guy who's fucking hilarious, the autistic guy. Yeah, he plays uh, Abed. I just yeah. can't remember his name. And I then, well, then you, uh, Ken Jong's in it. Yeah, Ken Jong uh, is really funny in it. So like, and you get, you get celebrity um, cameos. Uh, John Oliver's in a bunch of episodes. Very funny. John in Oliver's it. great. John, uh, did you see the one with Jack Black? Uh, yes, Jack Black's in a few episodes. Dude, it's um, I I'm really enjoying it, and it's also so good with the pop culture references. It's like unbelievable with those. Um, so, well, like I said, so that that's a particular one where it was very much ahead of its time. Yes, but Dan Harmon has a thing where he's kind of a jerk off. Oh yeah, he sucks. He's, and and uh, he, he says ridiculous things and then wonders why he gets in trouble. Right, but if like when you, I, I, I will always say I I don't get Rick and Morty. I understand its appeal, but I just it I, does not do. Anything I enjoy for Rick me. and Morty, but I have to take it in small doses. But like I said, Communion was very was very much ahead of its time. I, I fucking just love Joel McHale. I love he's Joel McHale. very funny. I loved it. I remember the soup when I was a kid growing up. That shit was hilarious. Well, they that was the, the, the yeah. I, when they brought they brought back um, it was called Talk Soup. Yeah, and then they brought it back as the soup, and I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And he was fucking great. Yeah, he filled in the role perfectly. So the bu the bullshit horror I watched this week was H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's Reanimator, um, Poltergeist, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, Oculus, The Descent, uh, The Burning, and last night was Sleepaway Camp. Um, I'm trying to think of my watch. I finished uh, the first season. I didn't know it was going to be more one one season. That that cult show, The Vow, was fucking great. Yeah. And they ended because the court case only recently happened. And they end the season, and it says September 2020. I'm like, that was a fucking month ago. And this show started at the end of September. They then th just this week they announced the second season. And the the way this uh, the season finale ends is by talking to the guy that was the head of the cult in prison yeah. and his like. Uh, 
partner, more or less. So they got them. She's like on house arrest. They got them to do interviews for this show right. for the second season. Like that is a fucking good way to continue this. Um, something that Josh and I will be excited about. I don't know if you heard the Euphoria news today. I didn't. Um, there's going to be two episodes in December. Okay. Um, it they're they basically they started filming when everything got shut down. They'd filmed some of it, and the creator of it's like, I feel bad. These guys are going to have to wait a while for us to finish this. I have these two episodes coming, and they both take place right after the season finale. Like it's the immediate follow up to what happened in the season finale. So we're going to get some euphoria in December, That's cool. That's which cool. I'm definitely down for. Um, I'm definitely down to see more Sydney Sweeney because she's been posting yeah. fire, fire on it. Taylor, you want to see this woman? Sure. She is. She also gets naked a lot on Euphoria. Like, sure does. and God bless her for doing it. This girl is fucking perfect. Hello, you, nurse. You need, yeah, you you need her. You, oh, hey, did you hear the news? What? What? Animaniacs is coming. I back. saw. I saw the. I'm the, so happy I you got the, that <laughs> reference. I'm so. Oh, dude! If I accomplish, if I accomplish I, anything Josh in this show, it. Josh getting an Animaniacs now reference. That, now that Josh yes. got it, I, I, that clicked in my head. I love the old Animaniacs. It was I, the best. Yeah. There was this great fucking video. That, that is the, cute. And Yakko Yaks. The fucking the convert <laughs> the the song. I, about, I used to know the fucking song for all the goddamn states. Well, in I the, no, the, they did the one for all the countries. Yeah, in the, the countries world. was. Well, I saw a great video. Someone took that and they said um, him doing the song but with all the countries Americans can't travel to remove <laughs> so it's like Saudi Arabia <laughs> dude I was laughing so hard at it I reckon Afghanistan and yeah, Saudi Arabia yeah, too but all like, those are blacked fucked, out and then yeah. it's like it might go Iran like <laughs> dude I was laughing so hard because I think right now it's still only like eight countries Americans can travel to <laughs> it's some it's the whole song it's just him going Iran yeah, <laughs> um, I am excited. Uh, did you see the clip that they released for it, where yeah. it's with Jurassic Park? Yeah, fantastic! I can't wait to see what they do with that. I hope Animaniacs it is. So many good things best. came out of it. Picky in the brain, Picky in the brain, Freakazoid. Freak oh my Freakazoid god, Freakazoid was awesome. Yeah. That was a really good one. Freakazoid. Freakazoid. I also, I, I remember. Um, I don't know why I just thought about this. Action League now. <laughs> That's from Kablam, dude. Kablam, dude. What else did they have? Prometheus and Bob was Prometheus really and Bob to this day is some of the funniest shit oh, dude, you will ever That shit was hear. so... I loved uh, actually ah, ah. now. Um, uh, the Meltman was his name? Meltman. Meltman. Speaking of man... Sneaky Diver. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or it's like, or what's that, uh, what, what the fuck was his name? Uh, the, the big naked dude? What was his name? Oh, um, oh, fuck. Hold on. I gotta look up the names now. The Flesh. The Flesh. <laughs> He's super strong. And, and super, super naked. naked. Super naked. <laughs> Still, Kablam was the shit. Dude, they had some funny shit on Kablam. I, I, <laughs> I just was thinking about it. Uh, it's super strong and super <laughs> naked. Um, so we just said the words man, and we want. I meant to bring this up last week, but we were in a little bit of a time crunch. The trailer for Mel Gibson's Fat Man looks amazing, dude. He's playing a disgruntled. Wait, hold on, hold on. What's hold up? On. Is, is there, what breaking news are you going to give me now? Action League. Yeah, here we go. Starring the flesh. He's super strong and super naked. Thunder girl, she flies like thunder. Stinky diver, a former Navy commando with an attitude as bad as his odor. And Meltman with the power to... Melt. <laughs> Fucking dumb, dude. Oh, my God. She flies like thunder meme. I don't know, because she flies like thunder. His attitude as bad as his odor. Yeah, dude. <laughs> 
Oh, God. But can I just say, kids shows when we were actual kids were like really fucking great Well, shows. we also had, this is the thing that's lost now. Kids don't appreciate just like cartoons. Yeah. It's all like the CGI kind of shows now. And they look so realistic in a lot of cases. And, and with cartoons, you could be so more obscene and over the top. And it's a cartoon, so you don't connect it. That's why people freaked out like when Beavis and Butthead was happening because mm-hmm. it was a cartoon for children. <laughs> but it wasn't for children. Dude, like if you think about how much vile, vulgar shit happened in the in the in the cartoons we watched, Ren and we Stimpy, dude, dude, Ren and Stimpy, the how Angry did, Beavers, the Angry Rocco, Beavers, Rocco, 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 modern, Rocco's Modern a, Life. He worked in a sex line. Wait, there, oh there, baby, there, oh baby. There was there was literally an episode where Dilbert, the fucking turtle, had no, a, no, that's uh, Gilbert, isn't it? Gilbert, no, it's, Gilbert. Uh, it's, it's Gilbert. Gilbert, no, Filbert, 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 Filbert. Filbert had an addiction to sugar. It was clearly a cocaine. Yeah, oh fish sticks. And then turn the page, wash your hands. And turn the page, wash your hands. And then fucking, then fucking heifer was being raised by wolves and he was a cow. Yeah. And he's doing, and it's it's cannibalism because they're eating cows. Yeah. Like, and then Bev Bigheads of, I don't uh, know what the Rock <laughs> And then the movie, the Netflix thing oh, was, was great. So Did you good. watch that, Josh? Yeah. It was fucking it. great. They just got away with so much. It's on sometimes. And I'm like, holy shit, how did they get away with this? Wait. Ren and Stimpy was obviously like the biggest offender because there was, a, I don't remember the episode where like some dude adopted them and he's just like, I think he's like a mechanic, but he's this big fucking just redneck looking guy. He's got a fucking pack of cigs in his sleeve, right? Like rolled up. Yeah. And then he fucking pulls out the pack of cigs. He puts the whole pack in his mouth, like the actual physical pack, and lights it. And he's smoking. Powder and like, toast man. This is a powder toast man. But you think about uh it's log. It's log. It's log. <laughs> to this day, my friends call my brother log because I, yeah, of, we know. Yeah, because of his uh hat and his cock. So, so like <laughs> the other thing that was funny, I remember when I was a kid, like Hey Arnold was one of my favorite shows. I ever. love Hey Arnold. And I remember being a kid, I was watching because my dad loved Hey Arnold too. He'd watch it with me. And there was one time where uh, Helga was like reading, like she like she'd lost her crush for Arnold for some reason. And she's like reading like one of her like weird stalker journals about him. The yeah, she yeah, yeah. And it's like she's written like, and she all she said was, "What is this crap?" Yeah, they even said crap on that. They there said, was a couple what, times they, said, they what said, "What is this crap?" Said, my dad looks at me and goes, "Don't ever say it to your mother." Don't. And I was like seven. But they also, I've I've noticed because I'll put on the um, uh, Teen Nick at night sometimes because they play Rocco and Hey Arnold. I play and, the old shit. And I've, I've heard them say hell on Hey Arnold. Yeah. Crap, damn. I'm like, but they did it in such a way, like, that makes sense. And that was, like, a show that was more based in, like, realism to some extent. What about Dino Spumoni? Dino Spumoni, yeah, dude. dude. He was the best. He's like, you better not touch my gal. Oh, my. Put you in the kisser, pal. I, oh, my God. Without Sacagawea, <laughs> yeah. Clark would still be in the loo. <laughs> yeah. Without you with me, baby, I'm nothing. That's the truth. Yeah, dude. They were supposed to be fucking Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, or uh, what was it? Uh, it was it was really Ricky Martin, but it was uh, Ronnie Matthews. Yeah, Ronnie Matthews. Dude, there were, the first episode I remember still was when he was supposed to fight. What's his name? When Arnold was. Oh. Uh, uh, the three minute, three hours and twenty seven uh, minutes uh, till you die. Oh, I forget. Oh God, who? Is, yeah, yeah, you're right. Harold. You're right. Harold. No, Harold was his friend. What Harold. was the name of the big fat kid on uh, Hey Arnold, Josh? It was Harold. No. Yeah. Was was Harold? Harold? Oh, Ger- yeah. well, his best friend was Gerald. Gerald, Gerald, Gerald yeah. Gerald Harold. No, nothing was better than when the fourth graders, like it was a trash can day. Oh, yeah, yeah. The fifth graders were going around putting the fourth graders in trash cans. And I remember being a kid. I was in third. I was like going to be in fourth. I was going to be in fifth grade or like going to fourth grade. And I was like, wait, does this like actually happen? The stoop kid's afraid to leave his stoop. Uh, my favorite. Pigeon man? Uh, my favorite will always be. 
No, Susie, you keep the money. Oh, Mr. Kakashka? <laughs> Mr. Kakashka. Oscar. Yeah. Oscar Kakashka. His grandma was like at Alzheimer's yeah. and was just like disappearing on superhero adventures. <laughs> yeah, dude. What a good show. That what was a good great. show. It was weird when I was younger, and this is the only show I can't watch in there anymore because now it just weirds me out. I loved Rugrats when I was very little. No, Rugrats is weird. And now. it doesn't hold up now. There's some funny like idea of Dr. Lipschitz. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, come back Lipschitz. He comes over to watch your kids and he takes a bath in your tub. That shit's funny. Um, so uh, we were talking about Fat Man, this Mel Gibson movie. Sorry, I get no, no, I was a good Fat little Man. tangent. Fat Man, he plays a disgruntled Santa where a kid puts a hit out on his life because he gave him coal. It looks like Santa Claus as John Rambo. Yeah, pretty much. I cannot wait to see this hunk of shit. It's going to be bad. It's going to be great and awful, and it might be Mel Gibson's best role ever. I don't. That's that's uh, a bit of a stretch. Uh, what is his best role ever? Uh, yeah, Riggs. Hold on. What Riggs? You think Lethal Weapon? It's hard because you know. I was who? gonna say Lethal Weapon. I got, or, I got, uh, right, well, well, I'm not thinking like Road Warrior. I was gonna. He's Mad Max to me. He'll always be Mad Max uh, to no, me. No, he's Riggs to me. I love Riggs too, but he's got so many dude. I don't know. Braveheart. I don't know. Patriot. Yeah, but I'm not talking about like his. Cause he's got great acting. Oh, he's a great actor. He's career. a great actor. I'm talking about like his. Like his iconic franchise. Okay, Mad Max, Mad Lethal Max, Weapon, Lethal Weapon. I mean, obviously you think about Braveheart because it's one yeah. of the fucking greatest movies yeah, of all time. Absolutely. Uh, listen, I think about it and get the Gringo. That's about it. Get uh, <laughs> the one time. Well, it was actually like the first day I moved in, right, with Greg and Taylor, and they were at Warp Tour when it was like a hundred degrees and they almost had heat stroke. And Taylor walks in. And I'm like by myself, my first day at the house, and he's like, he looks at me what I'm watching. He looks, he goes, no one just. Puts on Braveheart, and I'm like, I do. I love Braveheart, dude. I love the Patriot too. Yeah, because well, no one just puts on Braveheart and watches all of it. All I do. I love Braveheart. I, I love you. Always have. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I just well because so it was Josh that made. We were like that was Greg was like we're gonna have movie night at my yeah. house. Well, hindsight's 2020. It was pretty gay. Yeah. And like, oh, well, it wasn't it the was, gayest was, thing we did. Remember was, the sex? No, I don't. Do you have this, the the darts? No. What did I, I do with them? I don't know. Great. It's, it's, Great. It's like, do you have? Do you remember the sex? No, I don't. Who roofies who? Right. <laughs> I, oh, so, true. <laughs> so, I don't remember it either. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Someone just told me about well, it. I remember being being in Greg's basement. It's you, me, Greg, Dan, and Steli. <laughs> okay. And we all watched Get the Gringo, and that was the one where I, I did, did he catch the grenade and throw it back or something like that, yes. or he hit it? Yes. And I, like literally, Josh just goes, "Watch this, watch this, watch this." <laughs> and he throws a grenade back. All of us look at each other. Goes, "What the fuck are we watching?" <laughs> like it's Mel Gibson in a Spanish prison. Oh, but, that movie's but, so good. Get the Gringo was awesome um and then like another stupid movie i don't think it has mel gibson in it was a uh, uh bolt to the head that i liked a lot bolt like, to the head like, like that's another silly uh, movie that's stallone. That's stallone. no I'm, I'm just saying no like, i don't hate bolt to the head no i'm saying like like a same movie where like you know stallone made all those like those really bad yeah, action yeah, movies yeah, they, gibson were, made they were a, bad for a while gibson made a couple of them you know um, what i mean you know what i i well, mel gibson was in the third expendables too no yeah he was yeah. the villain that was the worst one great it was good but it was Pretty bad. The one with Chuck Norris they is the best fucking one. downgraded it to PG. Yeah, that ruined it. Reason. That ruined it. Um, you know what? Uh, this is a guilty pleasure movie for me. It involves Mel. I like what women want. I enjoyed it for what it was. <laughs> I liked Helen Hunt at the time because it was like two years after Twister. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna watch it because it's Mel. Because Mel's been one of my favorites when I saw Mad Max when I was super young. Mad Max just rules on so all the, Thunderdome kind of isn't great, but yeah. I still love it. It's two eighties and Diana. Oh, it wasn't Diana Ross. It was uh, Diana Ross. Who was it Tina Turner that played? Uh, yeah. The, the oh god. The Fucking dwarf in it was fucking gross. I'm good. On I, I try to skip Thunderdome. Um. So all right, let's get some World Series uh, talk out. 
So I'm super pumped for this World Series. I got it on DVR. Um, it's going to be so, good. Um, it, it's crazy. You got the, the So I saw this thing. The Rays payroll is $28 million, right? This year, Mookie Betts and Clayton Kershaw combined are making $26 million, and that's at the prorated contracts. And it, it's wild when you think about the vast difference in experience. The, the Dodgers have 17 players on their roster that have World Series appearances. The Rays have won in Charlie Morton. You know the last time there was that great of a disparity between the two teams in the World Series? No, I'm sure you'll tell us. 2000, Mets and Yankees. The Mets had two, and the Yankees had, I think, like 18 to 19, and what happened? Roger Clemens got pissed and threw the bat at Piazza. <sighs> no, 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 that no. wasn't. He didn't throw it at him. <laughs> yeah, shut he up. Threw it. <laughs> he threw it at New York Yankees second baseman, Russell Wilson. <laughs> he threw it in a general direction that... Uh, but listen, Piazza just happened to be See, walking he, that way. He isn't even getting. Oh, no, wait, that, yeah, he's not going to first base. But here's, or nothing. here's the fucked up part. Josh is trying to defend uh, Roger Clemens, and he's not even using Roger Clemens' alibi, which <laughs> yeah, was right, he thought one. it was the baseball. <laughs> and if it was, we don't play fucking pegging in the major leagues first unless all, it's in the locker room. First of all, if, 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 when you take that into consideration, he said he thought it was the baseball. He catches it and he looked at it and he and, still threw and he it. threw it at the runner yeah. who was literally eight <laughs> feet from the fucking bag. Oh, and it wasn't like he or eight feet from the home plate. He wasn't even close to the bag. So why are you throwing it near him, dude? That's the third best he, thing. He that's only, the third best thing Piazza's been attached to. One is Baywatch. They're really shitty when he played for the Dodgers. And being gay? No. Oh. <laughs> uh, the the home run on nine eleven. Yes, the of day course. After 9/11 and owning whatever. a soccer team that got went bankrupt. He did. Yeah. Good for him, I guess. And then Roger Clemens throwing a bat at him. And it, Clemens did that because fucking Piazza fucking killed him. It was like the one That's dude awesome. on the Mets Clemens couldn't get out. Ever. And literally, he beamed him in the fucking All-Star game. <laughs> like, it's the All-Star game, jerk off. Well, listen, no, you can't get You dealt. fucking juiced monster. Well, I, like, like I said, you can, <laughs> never get Roger mad at a, you can never get mad at a pitcher for listen, beaming somebody I, in a shit fucking game. I like... Care so much about Roger Clemens? To, to me, he's a guy that was on the Yankees. He's not a Yankee. No, no, yes, he I agree with you. He's he not had better years with the Diamondbacks than he did the Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness gracious! Of all, of all the dramatic the, things, Roger Clemens and George Steinbrenner's box. Well, what? If, uh, he was he was a better pitcher for the Red Sox too? No? The Red Sox, the, the Blue the Jays. Jays yeah, but no, that's where he. Yeah. That's why people like him and Bonds piss me off, and I don't think they should be in the Hall of Fame. Is because they were Hall of Famers before steroids. Mm-hmm. They did not need them. Roger. Clemens did it because he started to fall off. It's a clear indication of what happened with him because he was great, yeah. then he started to lose it, and then all of a sudden, his body size never really changed like Barry Bonds did. He was a big, thick, burly motherfucker. Yeah, he was. And then all of a sudden, he's lights out 300 strikeouts a year, Roger Clemens again. Made no sense whatsoever. And he literally already was a Hall of Famer. He won three Cy Youngs before that. Yeah. And you look at Bonds, was a fucking Hall of Famer before he got ballooned up. He was a fucking gold glove right Dude, he was, he, his, his issue was... He he played center field too. He um later in his career he was a right fielder. Yeah. Um he he was so he had such an inferiority complex and that he couldn't stand that Maguire and Sosa were getting the attention because as far as all around skill goes Bonds was a better player than both of them. Maguire great power hitter he batted two ten every year he was a true three true three player strikeout walk home run okay and Sosa was definitely more of an average hitter but he wasn't near the outfielder or the base runner Barry Bonds was he was a three hundred home run three hundred stolen base player before he started juicing and then he juices up and he becomes the single most dominant player for a four years. That you'll ever see. He walked 122, 120 times in a season intentionally. Yeah, it's awesome. Literally, Mike Trout has been intentionally walked in his career like uh, um like seven or no more than seven times, but like double digits. Right. It's not even close. He did that in a season. 
And they were walking in with runners on every so often, too, with the bases loaded. He was a freak. Yeah, they would walk around. Yeah, they were like, we're not letting him in a Grand Slam. They shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because they got cocky. I I would rather guys that, like McGuire and Sosa, who saved the league, um, like Manny Ramirez should be in the Hall of Fame, the most dominant right bat there's ever been. Um, He won't get in. He should. A-Rod's not going to get in. He should. Right. I mean, A-Rod probably was always on steroids. When he came up, everyone was doing it, and there was no rule. It wasn't like these guys were all of a sudden they went from amphetamines to steroids. <laughs> but um, what's your prediction for the World Series, Taylor? Uh, I think the Dodgers finally get one. Uh, I, th- I think it's going to be hard, but I think it's going to go seven. Josh? I'm going to take the Dodgers in six. That's my pick as well. Um, I'd be thrilled for the Rays. Um, I, no, no I, I I, just think, you know, no when you look way. at it, they're the single most efficient team in sports. What they get out of their limited resources. And not only do they produce good homegrown talent, but they take guys that are cast-offs on other teams like Randy Azona, uh, Azarina yeah. and look at what he's doing in the postseason. It, it's, it's quite amazing to their adaptation of technology with $28 million while the Mets wouldn't spend, the Wilpons wouldn't spend $150,000 for the same technology in 2011. So I, I have a great admiration for him. And what's crazy about the Dodgers, I don't know, their, their GM is Andrew Friedman, who was the GM of um, the Tampa Bay Rays for years that built this team more or less. So he's actually playing, he's playing money ball with money. Which yeah, is crazy, and it, it, it kind of you know it's a double negative there. But he is building teams based on the analytics of getting on base, good defense. You know, Mookie Betts is unbelievable. The catch he made in Game Seven was unbelievable. The, the, the last fantastic really both close. series. The ALCS was amazing. The NLCS was amazing. One of the best two series I've seen in recent memory. You know game bu- sevens in both, yeah. and the fucking Braves blew it. I was thrilled. You know what makes you know what like bums me out is because like you know when everyone jumped the, everyone jumped the shark with uh, Cohen the first time, and everyone's like, we're gonna go get Mookie. Even Evan said. A bunch of times, Mookie bets. Yeah, I know. And then we did. Yep. And you know what's funny? You We're drink a year the Kool-Aid, late. I drank it. I drank the Kool Aid yeah. a little bit, and I was like, you know what? That's the guy I want. I want Mookie bets. Yeah. And I see him go to the. Dodgers. I wanted Mookie bets years ago. Now here's the thing. I I, I am. Genuinely happy for the guy because he is he is a phenomenal player. Clutch, he's, he's so much fun to his watch. His work ethic is great. His attitude well, is great. He was he was he should have been the MVP, but then JD Martinez happened to have a fucking phenomenal. No, he season. won MVP. No, I thought it was JD Martinez. No, and then Mookie, M- Mookie won MVP. I could have sworn it was the nope, other way Mookie around. won MVP. Either way, but um, uh, he's a sensational player. He does not get mentioned enough as being. On the level of Mike Trout. Dude, he is the, on the level of Mike the Trout. The fucking throw from right field oh, to third base. Dude, and you hear what players say about him. Like, we've never been around a player that works his ass off like him and that just wants to dominate. And um, I don't know if you did, heard about on CC's podcast, he talked about Mookie Betts. And um, I, I forgot who he had on, but um, the guy was like, you know, Mookie was always asking me why you hate him so much. He's like, I didn't do anything to him. And CC just hated him, and he threw inside on him all the time. And I, I love this about CC. He goes, you know, I needed a reason to hate the Red Sox. And he was their best player. I could see he was going to be here for a while. So I decided, fuck that guy. Yeah, <laughs> I love he's that. Like, and he, I was like, that was a great competitor. And there's a guy that didn't need steroids to adjust to what he didn't have anymore. And he ma- made himself a serviceable pitcher in the twilight. Of his I career. fucking love CC, dude. Well, like, how could you not do? He I was the heart and soul. I think he was the true heart and soul of that pitching staff and that team in 2009. You guys hear me say this all the time. There are some guys that come through and they play for the Yankees, but there are some guys that come through and they become Yankees. Well, they, they, they earn is, their pinstripes. CC Sabathia is well, a Yankee. I was going to say because like because like he had those big years in, in yeah. Cleveland and Milwaukee, but then when he you know when he got to New York, I remember I, at the time I was pissed because I'm like, oh good, another great pitcher goes to the Yankees. Yeah, but then like when you watch. They, 
when you watch the progression and like again exactly what Josh said, he earned the pin. Yeah, no, he he won a World Series he in his first year. I don't know if he ever truly lived up to you know. The contract he got was best pitcher in the game. Right. He never, that first season he lived up to, and after that it was a, you know, really good year, but mostly a mixed bag, especially at the end. Well, but, how, well, how but old he competed. was he when he got there? Mm-hmm. Uh, 31, 30, so, 31. So he's on the wrong side of 30, but yeah. pitchers, the shelf but he won, a little longer. And all that matters was he won you a World Series in his first year. He won a World Series, and then throughout his tenure, you know, he was up and down, but he showed up in the big spot. Yeah, he was a big game pitcher. He had the right attitude. Um, You know, he's you know it's crazy. They were talking about guys like earning their pinstripes to becoming Yankees. So it was just a 17-year anniversary of this iconic Yankee moment, right? And the question became, would this guy be the manager of the New York Yankees <laughs> if he did not do that? Would Aaron Boone? Be the no, manager. And I said that shit. Yeah, when we he all got said that. Hired, dude. Listen, like he the, was a decent player. The Yankees love to fucking just fucking bask in sensa- nostalgia, sensationalize moments that are great that ultimately didn't lead to anything. Ultimately, don't fucking matter. You walk through Monument Park, there are some guys in there that like were on the team for two, three years. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck. What and when you think about Reggie Jackson, wasn't Roger on, Re- Maris on that wall for like? I okay, get no, no, it. I, I get I, it. No, but it's, it's Roger he was Maris. on the team for three. But, fucking okay, years. okay, because I, I, I want to make a, a fair argument here because if that, if you're saying you can't have Roger Maris in there, you shouldn't have Reggie Jackson in there because Reggie Jackson was not a Yankee that long. Yeah, but he's Mr. October. But, like, Roger, Ma- yeah, but Roger Maris broke Babe Ruth's fucking record. Yeah, are you still? Was, are, he, are you one of these uh, old cunt Yankee fans that still <laughs> hates Roger Maris for breaking Babe Ruth's record? No, I don't care about that. I would have preferred if fucking Mantle did it. Obviously, like all the other <laughs> yeah, old cunt. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I hate, love that. Now, I love now that. I, fuck Roger Maris. He, it's all he, about Mickey Mantle. He was the I people that I hated in '61. <laughs> oh, I love that. That um, makes me so happy. So you do have to remove Reggie then, because uh, let, let's see how long Reggie was on the team. And Reggie wait, so, had so, one great moment. So while you're talking about it, I saw a great video of after the Yankees. He's won the World Series, and the fans are storming the field. And Reggie Jackson, like fucking Bo Jackson, is running through all these people to the dugout, <laughs> not giving a fuck about these people. So Reggie Jackson was a Yankee for five seasons. He was hurt mostly in the last year. He had some really good years. Uh, he only had two 100 RBI seasons. When you look at his stats, uh, or sorry, three, he 32 home runs, 110, 27, 97, 29, 89, 41, 111, 15, 54. So okay. Roger Maris was a better Yankee. Well, okay, so even and, so even you just said that uh, two days, forty three years ago today. So two days ago, forty three years ago today, Reggie Jackson earned the title of Mister. Oh yeah, he earned it. He absolutely earned it. But Roger Maris absolutely, and he should be in the Hall of Fame. Here, hold on, yes, Josh. Yes. Roger Maris should be in the Hall of Fame. Josh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tag you in this tweet because you need to see it because this is the thing I'm talking about. And Dan, you too. Okay, it, it's the best GIF I've ever seen of uh, of again of Reggie Jackson. He's running off the field after the Yankees uh, win the World Series. He's not giving a fuck about these people. Where, where'd you tag us? It's Twitter. Oh, here. Twitter, Twitter. Yeah, this is classic. You can people. <laughs> fucking, it no. looks like Bo Jackson, dude. Look at this. <laughs> no, that's fucking classic, dude. That was literally when um, <clears throat> Coop caught the home run ball. Yep. Yep. <laughs> My Reggie Jackson, yeah, Mr. October, the Chippendales guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, it's like, oh, he oh, recorded the, over the game. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's oh, it ends up being Dale Earnhardt. Was, 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 it, was it road roadkill? Yeah, it's caught on a roadkill. Caught on tape. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, they recorded over the game. And then at the end, when he turns the TV off, at the end of the movie, it turns out it was Dale Earnhardt doing it. 
was the best. That I, I don't care what he says. That is one of the funniest fucking movies ever it made. Is. Basketball. Um, all right, let's see what I got next. Taylor, UFC 254 this weekend. Oh my god. And okay, I'm going to tell you now. I'm going to tell you. No, well, here's the thing. Can't. I'm going to tell you right now Why? the problem. This card starts at 2 p.m. The main card. No. It's a 2 p.m. main card. It's on in Abu Saturday? Dhabi on Saturday. It's at 2 p.m. So the prelims start at 10:15. I'm fucking hyped for a card this early because I have some things to do with family during the day from like 11 to 1, so I'll miss some of the prelims. But I'm going to be fucking prime and ready to go at 2 o'clock. The fights are over by 5, and then I can do whatever the fuck I want all night. That's a great fucking day to I'm me. working on Saturday. Well, the pay-per-view doesn't start till 2. Like, the actual that main card. Mean anything. Well, I didn't know if you're working a half day or not. Well, no. It's all. You just buy it on your phone. Yeah, but, like, why? Let's watch Gaethje versus Habib yeah, on my I, phone. I, you, dude, yes, watch. It, yeah, I have not been this excited for a fight yeah, in so long. I'm pretty hyped. Like, this is a, such an interesting matchup on yeah. so many levels. Because you got Khabib, right? 28-0. Yeah. He dominated everyone. He's only had one fight that is remotely questionable. I told you about with Glayson yep. Tebow. Yep. Just mauls people. And he's not just mauling like guys like run of the mill or barely getting by. He's mauling Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier. He's just Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson. He's just and he just the way he fights is a style that is so hard to train for and survive over five rounds because it's not just that he's good at what he does. I don't know anyone that I've seen do what he does better. And there's been guys that were ground and pounders, yeah. Tito Ortiz, Randy Couture, Mark Coleman. The list goes on of these guys that were aggressive ground and pound wrestling. But he doesn't just take you down and edge you out. Randy Couture didn't get a ton of finishes. Tito, late in his career, didn't get finishes. A lot of these guys, it's survive. Yeah. You maul them. He hurts people. And then you got on the other side of the cage, one of the craziest motherfuckers in the sport in Justin Gaethje. Guy, all-American wrestler, Division yep. One wrestler. He's only spent 17 seconds on his back yeah, in his MMA career. It's going to be more than that. It, you, you think it's going to be. But this is the first time he's fighting a guy that has the wrestling credentials to turn this into a Chuck Liddell sprawl and brawl fight. It could. Now, the question's going to be is... Because Khabib is going to get him down at some point. And yeah, Khabib's gotten sure. just about everyone down. The only guy he struggled with was Gleason Tebow, who took him down. You saw the you saw some gifs and clips of it. Gleason Tebow was taking him down. Now, this is what I'm doing if I'm Gaethje. I come out, and I'm going to fucking shoot on him. I don't know. I'm going to make him uncomfortable right away. You have the way to do it. So, <clears throat> Chuck Liddell later in his career, right, after he lost the title, um, he, he lost to um, Rampage Jackson, lost to Keith Jardine, okay. and they finally set up the first real Pride versus UFC super fight in the UFC. Vanderlei Silva. Vanderlei Silva. Yeah. And it was they were supposed to do it like two years prior when he was actual Pride champ. This was after Pride was defunct and everything. And Vanderlei gets in the cage, right, and they, they have to stare at him. I was like, UFC 55. Like, we're talking before the Ultimate Fighter blew yeah, up. Right. And and he gets in there, barely speaking English, Vonder that He goes, I want to uh, fuck Chuck. Fight, I fight I Chuck. Fuck, he says, I, I want to fuck, uh, fight Chuck. So we finally get this. And Chuck at this point, you know, everyone knew he was a good wrestler. Another guy. He was a Division One college wrestler. Very good wrestler. Always, only uses wrestling to stay, uh, to to stand up so you couldn't take him down and if you did take him down he got right back up and in the second round of the fight with Vanderlei a fight that everyone thought was going to be a brawl where they're just going to uh, gentleman's agreement you stand there and you throw the fuck down Chuck shot in for a takedown and took him down I went nuts because I had not seen Chuck Liddell wrestle in forever and I thought it was the best way for him to keep his career going my job is a fight with the best fights in the world for this I'm coming here tonight because I want to fuck I want to fight <laughs> Yep, 
I want to fuck. I want to fight with Chuck. So Chuck shoots in for the takedown, actually takes him down. A lot of fans were mad because, oh, it was a, they called it a cowardly takedown because he was getting rocked. I'm like, no. Okay. I get that side of it because it was get the you, fuck out of your cowardly. It was also you're in a fight. It was also the smartest strategy at that point because it threw Vanderlei off his game. Gaethje goes out there, stands up a little bit, and then at that right moment early in the fight, shoots in. Khabib's whole ba- game is going to be get taken off. It could you win the yeah, mental sure. warfare. Now it does get risky when you try to go to the ground with a guy like that. But, but see, you're the, giving him the opportunity. See, to but get like there. this is this, like there are very few exceptions to the rule. Anderson Silva being one, and then this one in particular, Habib Nurmagomedov being the other one. Where it's like, can you really play mental games with this guy? Because Connor did, and it look what happened. I, but the difference was Connor played mental games outside of the ring. I understand that, but what I'm saying is like, even though like like this this is like this is crazy. Dazikstan, like these guys. This oh, is, he's like like this isn't a game to these guys. Yeah, like like this is life and death. This is honor. This is tradition. This is my family's watching. It, it's not about money. It's not what well, maybe it might. Of be. Of course, like, there's like, money element to it, but it's sure. more about legacy and respect. Yeah, and I'm gonna impose. My, he wants well, like to said, hurt. Well, like I said, even though he was pissed at Connor, like what happened? Like he could have easily went at Connor again. And do you think fucking? Do you think Keith would have fucking stopped him? No, no shot. No. What do he do? He went after Dylan Dennis, who was yeah. talking more shit than anybody yeah. else. It was at that point. I fucked this guy up. Now you're next, motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. And, but he didn't wait. Uh, I keep I flip flop on this fight so much. I find it so interesting because I, to be honest, so this is the first pay per view in a while where I said, listen, let's buy, let's let bygones be bygones, aka let give me a fucking break and let's just enjoy this one. Okay, please. deal, deal. Uh, I still want to know who you're picking. Sure. Okay, who are you picking? I don't know. I dude, I know. I really don't. Actually, hold on. Do you? Uh, does anyone have a quarter? Um. Okay, how about this? Flip the pack of cigarettes. Flip the pack of cigarettes. If it lands, so if camel's heads. Yeah, so yeah, camel's heads and <laughs> this and not camel is. Wait, wait, where's not camel? Let me see. Now. Okay, not heads camel. and tails. Go ahead, flip it. Okay, so heads is Justin Gaethje, yeah. tails is Habib. Okay. All right, so. <laughs> it's just kind of fucking. I forgot which one you picked. Yeah, I did too. Uh, I forgot on, which was head and which was again. tails. I gotta do it again. Hold did on. you remember which was head and which was tails? Yes. No, actually, yes. Heads is Gaethje, tails is Habib. Okay, head, heads is Gaethje. Oh, Fuck. Khabib? Yes. All right. Um, I do. Th- want to win, though. Okay. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think that the unfortunate passing of Khabib's father from uh, COVID-19 is going to play a big role in the mental side of it. It's the first time his father isn't training him for a fight um, against a guy that matches up better for him with, with him to have a chance. Like, if he beats Gaethje the way that Khabib beats people... That will impress me more than anything he's done. Because this is a dude in Gaethje himself that doesn't have any quit. He wants it to get ugly. He wants it to get violent. He wants to get bloody. He wants to get hurt. And a guy that has a will that will not quit. He's too he's too tough for his own good. Well, yes and no. I will say I specifically against Tony Ferguson, of all people, that Gaethje made all those adjustments and wasn't this yeah. helter-skelter type of guy. So uh, you need you need a good you need a perfect storm of everything to go right for Gaethje. And you need to, really to stay, compo- you need to to stay composed. You can't can't let get shaken up by what Khabib's doing to you, right? Because when when you watch Gaethje's other fights, again, this is like a year or two ago. You know, the fight specifically against Eddie Alvarez, where he had Eddie Alvarez dead the fucking rights, but he got overzealous, Over, overzealous. And, he went, and he went for it, and then Eddie fucking. And it him. happens to a lot of guys. Right. I mean, the, there's plenty of guys where that happened to, and they come back very gun shy or they fight very safe. And what he did is he came back and he was like, "I can do the same thing I like doing, but I have to be smarter about my moments and realize real opportunities versus just trying to." Kill the guy, and he fought such a smart, composed fight against Tony Ferguson. Well, that's what makes it even more impressive. A guy that would throw him like off. Exactly. He did a better job against uh, Tony Ferguson than he did against a lesser fighter in Michael Johnson, yep. who 
has the same kind of ability and hurt him multiple times. Dude, he got, he got hurt once by Tony in the first round, yep. and then he just dismantled him. Yeah. I'm going to say here that I think win, lose, or draw, Khabib is, uh, is retiring after this fight. Actually, if he wins, mm. they he, they may be able to... I, I'm serious. He's going to retire soon, within two or three fights. He will, if he wins, they will get him to fight again if the fight is against George St. Pierre. Give me all of it. I know. That's that's a big rumor that's going around. If it's fucking GSP. Um, if it's GSP. Though. And then we're talking GSP would be moving down to 155 with the opportunity to become the first ever three-division champion in the UFC. I think GSP would do it. Um, I, I, th- it I think he would do it. Here's the thing. Um, he When he fought Bisping, he won, obviously. Yes, he, of course. He looked great in the first round, and then he blew up. He got really tired, and he happened to rock Michael Bisping, even though he was gassed out. And Michael Bisping was starting to pick him apart before he gassed him. He... Um, he was um, he rocked Michael Bisping and choked him out. So now he was huge at 185. Yeah, like he he I was like holy shit this dude fought at 170. He looked ripped. He was bigger than Bisping who was a 205er at one point. Mm-hmm. And um he, got, he I won't say he got lucky. He landed a great punch and choked him out. Now he's gonna be cutting down to 155. So the question is did he bulk up for that fight knowing it was gonna be 185? And has he been trimming down since then? Because going from if he's as big as he was against Bisping that motherfucker ain't making 155. No well I mean like so like honestly like not that we know the fucking guy but like what do you think he walks around at? GSP when he's not training for a fight, he's probably a buck ninety. But he was probably he cut to one eighty five to make that Bisping fight. He probably cut from two hundred or so. Yeah. So he's such a dedicated athlete. He's got one of the greatest minds the sport's ever seen. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how he handles it. I don't think he would put himself in a position where he was cutting too much weight, though. No. Well, if anything, just to get the super fight done, like if, if it had to be, oh, the payday would be insane. Well, it the payday, well, the payday would be insane because that, like, that's a fight, like championship. That's a super fight. Championships don't matter in that particular instance. So I would say, listen, just make sure GSP doesn't cut all the way down to one fifty five. Make it a one sixty catch. Well, I think they want it to be for a title. I, I, I think that. Listen, but, but he could he could have made like, but like with those two names, it, it, it supersedes. I don't the think title either. I don't think either of them would want to do it without a title. Really, I don't. Khabib has basically said like that's why he, they're they're talking about the winner of Connor and Poirier getting a title shot at him, and his his point is right. They're going to be fighting at one seventy. Why does that earn a title shot at one fifty five? And they're yeah. right. You do it for legacy. He wants to defend his legacy and win win championships because say he goes to one sixty and he loses because GSP with that little bit of a difference that does hurt his legacy, especially as an undefeated fighter. And I think in his position, being as great as he is, being undefeated, being the top pound-for-pound fighter in the world, he should have a little say in that. Yeah, well, I mean... And I think that if you're the champ, the challenger comes to you. Well, I mean, Habib's going to go down as one of the greatest to ever do it. With like, Without question. 29-0, do 28-0. Do you think he would be a top five? All time? No, no, I would say... Okay, even better. Not yet. I would say so. Say so. Say what you're saying is correct. Say he beats. Sure. Say he beats Gaethje on Saturday. Say he retires at, at the end of the fight. Sure. Twenty nine to zero. However many stoppages, submissions, what yeah. doesn't matter. Okay. Perfect record on top of that. Even though really John Jones oh, has a perfect record yes, outside the correct, script bullshit. Correct. I, would you not put Khabib at minimum at five? No. Um, I, when I really look at it like this, um, you do have to consider things like uh, quality of opponent, the, how long your reign was is a really, really well, big that's deal a big to thing me. Too, right? I, when you think about how long Anderson Silva was champion, there were some guys in there that weren't as great at, comparatively to some guys, but he did it for so long and at such a high level. You look at uh, a guy I look at like in Daniel Cormier, who you know was the second best to John Jones, beat everyone else you put in front of him, won the heavyweight championship. That's impressive to me. George St. Pierre, the people he beat that were beating. Everyone else from uh, Josh Koscheck, who he beat twice, could no one else could beat him. John Fitch, who was on a fucking 
13 and 0 run in the UFC before he fought John uh, G- GSP. Uh, Jake Shields, great 170er. Um, j- the list goes on and on of the people he beat. Like there was no low quality real opponents in there when you look at it. GSP is on there. John Jones is on there. Uh, at this point, when you look at Stipe and who he's beaten, and my respect for Daniel Cormier, yeah. and then you need to look at legacy things as well. You need to look at someone like Matt Hughes who didn't lose for so fucking long. It's it's a matter of the quality of the Jose opponent. Aldo. Jose Aldo. It's it's hard because three title defenses ain't going to do it for me to be the greatest UFC fighter of all time. I, I'm not saying greatest. Far like, from greatest. I, like here's the thing, Israel. Is, if that's the case, Israel Adesanya is it, comparatively is not that far from being considered one of the top five, and he is fight. He's the champion of Anderson Silva's division. Do you yeah, think right. he's even close to Anderson Silva's level in the top five? Uh, he's got like two more years before, yeah. before he's even in consideration. Uh, exactly. You know, like I said, John Jones. When you think about Chuck, what he did for so long, you go over to Pride and you look at obviously Fedor. If you look at fucking Vanderlei for how long, Shogun for how long, Rampage. Ramp, Rampage never won a title in Pride. That was a problem. I know that, but, but he's a, he's a, he's like a top twenty guy. Yeah. Uh, you look at Nogara, Krokop, where the only guys they couldn't beat were Fedor. It's hard. Khabib needs a solid another two years, and I would say three more title defenses for me to be comfortable with that conversation. Because okay. it, frankly, um, I would put Amanda Nunes in that conversation, but her quality of competition is questionable. It, and the same thing with Ronda it, Rousey. But, the, but my my issue specifically with, like, like with the women's side of things is that it's just that. Well, like, Mighty Mouse, dude. I know. Oh, and he, dude, you know, I fucking love Mighty and Mouse. He's like, I'm dude, not a big MMA guy, but you know, like I always watched. Dude, and when you think about what Mighty and Mighty Mouse's well, competition you're one, you're was great, the, you're one of the few people because nobody watched fucking. Yeah, no one else watched. The worst Ma- part, you know yeah. what? The thing I he's the worst strong champion in UFC history. The thing I appreciate about Demetrius Johnson is that he's just so fucking consistent. Yeah, it's so he's smart and he's smart. He fucking picks his spots. He knows exactly. He has. He follows his game plan too. Yep, I think every and he's a freak. I mean, I think ran to the perfect storm in Henry Cejudo. Yeah, too big, too strong, too fast, and he beat him once. And you know that and he's also older now. But the be- one of the best finishes I've ever seen was when he did that German suplex to an armbar. Yeah, that is just choice. he was masterful. And there's a question you could have about his level of competition outside of Joseph Benavidez, who would have been champ if yep. he wasn't there. The level of question of competition is questionable. I hate when people say Ronda Rousey's not one of the best of all time. She was the best Bullshit. for her time. When you look at the quality of competition, it ain't shit compared to what Amanda Nunes well, has done. Listen, of course, but that's the same thing. So like Ronda, so like what Ronda Rousey was in the beginning. I mean, really, the biggest competition, if I remember correctly, was. Katzengano, Misha Tate. Yeah, and she really. demolished both of them. Misha right. Tate, 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 Misha, Misha Tate, Tate twice. Ten out of ten. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> ten out of ten. Wood bang. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. like, but if you look at it, Ronda ran through everybody. Yeah, until. I mean, a New Year's comes yeah. along. Yeah, no, no, it was no Holly Holm, Holly, Holly Holm. Holm first. Yeah, and Holly Holm, then, if not for Amanda Nunes, would still be champion. It's a one person she can't fucking beat. And then, but the, what I'm saying is, is that um, when you look at what Amanda Nunes does, and I hate to say, and I hate to phrase it like this, but this is not particularly what I mean. It's like when you oh, watch, this always when, ends well. When you watch, when you watch her fight, like it doesn't. It looks like a dude fighting. It, like <laughs> that's what you want to say. Yeah, that's what you want to say. You know, like, she's and, violent, dude. That was a big word said about Cyborg for years. And like, and that's not like trying to discredit any other. Like, like woman competitor no, or anything of else not. like that. It's a different level it's of athleticism you, and strength what, and ferocity. When you watch her throw a straight right hand, you're like, that's that's like any person in this world take, you cannot not, take that punch. Neither of us are knocking female fighters Never. by saying that. We're saying that there, everyone knows there's a difference in level of comp- physical ability in that sense. I'm it's talking just, from a specific person standpoint. Yeah, obviously. but no, of course, but I'm saying that the, generally, I'm saying generally the men are going to be stronger, faster, hit harder, tougher. It's just a matter of physics at that point and that's not to say that the women in their division are the baddest motherfuckers alive and can beat the shit out of most big, men. Big, big facts. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying anything like that, but the 
the reason when you see someone like Amanda Nunes, who isn't just beating people, she's knocking she, everyone out, which you don't see in women's MMA that often. That's the highest to, level of decisions in both women's divisions. She's putting people to sleep, and it's scary. Some of the knockouts. Dude, when she, she well, the way she beat Cyborg, I've seen Cyborg have competitive fights before where you thought she was going to do more, and she, you know, had a competitive fight and still won. I've never seen anyone do to Cyborg like that. Is still that is up there for me with Crocop uh, getting knocked out by Gonzaga with a head kick of all things. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, Forrest Griffin beating Shogun and Matt Sauer knocking out GSP. Amanda Nunes, not necessarily beating Cyborg, but beating her the way she did Brainer. was the single most impressive, one of the most impressive moments I've seen. She's unquestionably the greatest female fighter of all time. Yes, big um, Ronda is a great in her own right. She, you know, she beat up Betch Correa and there was um, uh, uh, Jessica I. There were girls that just should not have been in there with her. Yeah. And Ronda also had the, uh, the other thing I could say is a knock on Ronda. She was still great was she had the aura of invincibility which yeah. fighters lost to her before the way Katzengano fought her was so stupid Ronda was in her head beforehand right and then she also had this coach around her had no actual like coaching experience that in striking Edmund Ta- uh, uh, Tarvarian yeah Tarvarian and he was the, he, he fucked he, up uh, Travis Brown's career too yes well he's telling people in interviews that she could box with men and do well and that she could be a boxing world champion well, that, that was the whole Floyd Mayweather thing yeah. you remember that yeah. shit well uh, and, uh, but truth of the matter put Ronda and Floyd Mayweather in a cage together Ronda will rip his arm off of nine, nine times out of ten of course but the, the other thing too is like it, when the audio leaked of, yeah, of, of, of when, of when, of when uh, uh, Holly had kicked the shit out of her and was box, out boxed yeah. her all, all you hear is him saying head movement head yep. movement there's more yeah. there's more you have well, to do and then once her invincibility was broken and Ronda's a very sensitive person her confidence was gone she didn't want to come back she didn't come back for a long time for like came two back, years came back it was, it was about a year year and a half it was a little longer than that was it that long yeah it was a little longer than that I thought. Oh, and, oh, listen, this is how I remember. So, right, right. My, my ex and I were dating. We watched. We watched uh, Holly knock out Ronda. Right. Then two years later, you might be right on the timeline. I'm just trying yes, to remember. The exact- I remember because Ronda was gone. She had that. She had that interview on Ellen. That was about six months after the fact. Then she was gone. I think she did a movie. Uh, or why something. did I go to her filmography? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> It was two years later because that was the whole big thing where like Amanda Nunes was like everyone no one gave a shit about Amanda Nunes. It was Ronda's. No, it was it was uh one year, just over a year. It was 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 November fifteenth, twenty fifteen, and then Amanda Nunes on December thirtieth, two thousand sixteen. Could have sworn it was like it was yeah, it was a little over a year. Because but you're you're the course is right. She just didn't have it in her anymore, and she's made a very good second career for herself. But I remember that pissed off Nunes a lot because it was just Ronda everywhere. Ronda's on the fucking yeah. And 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 here's the sad truth, which sucks, is that Amanda Nunes is still not the star she should. Be facts. Um, you know, here I want to know. I think what was a huge missed opportunity for the UFC, Josh. You'll find this interesting, especially when it comes to. I think the UFC does a pretty good job marketing. Besides some of their posters, when they make those hype videos, Josh, as someone that doesn't follow it, like Taylor and myself, when you see some of the fights that you'll watch, these hype videos are so well done. Yeah, like to actually get you pumped, even if you don't know the fighters. You're like, all right, all right, this is cool. And they, they'll show things about the fighters, their lives, their personality. Amanda Nunes being the first female or first UFC fighter that's openly gay. I was just about Why to Why did say they that. not put her in the gay pride parade all over this fucking country just to show, you know, and people are going to be like, well, Dana White's a Trumper. And I'm like, no, I just think this is a fucking dumb mistake. Yeah. Uh, I, th- that would just alone bring in a fan base to watch her fights. They may find the sport barbaric. They may find it gross, whatever. But she's like, wow, she's a trailblazer in, in sports for gay athletes, right? They'd buy her pay-per-view and only her pay-per-view. You'd see her go from 
she gets like 90,000 to 120,000 pay-per-view buys unless she's fighting Cyborg. Right. She'd be going at least doubling that to 200,000. She'll make so much more money. And she actually just became a mother recently. Her uh, her and her wife did a surrogate. Yeah. So I got love for Amanda Nunes. Uh, not, she's, she's had some unbelievable fights. I mean, she'd be Holly, she'd be Misha, she'd be everyone. She'd beat everybody. Uh, all right, guys, you want to talk about um, our, our challenge here? Yeah, sure. All right, before we get into our week seven NFL picks, um, Taylor and Josh and I had a conversation. It was mostly you guys talking. I was just like, all right, I'm in on this. I'm actually going to be super supportive throughout this. I'm very down, and this is not me fucking around. I'm hyped for this. Okay. Um, they're going to do a weight loss challenge uh, with the end goal being I, around the time of my wedding. Yeah. Um, you don't want to lose it like, you know, in fucking the first last week of February, lose the weight, and then be like, all right, try Baconators, <laughs> and gain all the weight back, right? Right. Uh, so uh, my fucking heart hurts thinking about we, it. We talked. So we talked about a weight loss challenge where every week. Um, today we're going to start with. We'll, we'll say this is week one. This is start date. Right. Um, we're going to weigh them. See how much they weigh. Be very open and honest about it. Now, I'm not saying that if you guys want to make fun of them, I'm not stopping anyone. Um, you can find their <laughs> handles the at, other, at Josh Marcella, at Taylor underscore Micah, uh, at you watch I listen. If you want to say anything, you got. If you're doing this publicly, you got to. Everyone has to embrace that bullshit. Right. Right. Sure. Okay. So we're going to see who loses the most weight. We're going to track it each week, see the weights after each week, who lost the most weight. We're going to figure out the body fat percentage kind of thing um, and get you guys down. Now, do you guys have goal weights you want to get to? No, not really. I'm, I'm not looking at it from a goal weight perspective. Can I set the goal weight? No. no. <laughs> I'm not looking at it at a goal weight perspective. I'm just looking at it, and I think that Taylor's in the same mindset that I am. I'm, I'm, I'm in a... Let's just get healthier. Okay, so that is a very optimistic way to look at it, and the, probably the best way to look at it. But I'm gonna—I want to really track this because I'm hyped for you guys. I think you're gonna be able to do it. So, who wants to step on the scale first? Nose goes. All right, I'll go. All right, so Josh is gonna go first. I gotta write this down. Um, these are big times here at You Watch I Listen. Hold on, is this plugged in? No, that is not plugged oh, in. All right, never mind. Um, I'll I'll read it off. Um, uh, we got to do the full take. Drop the trousers. No, I'm not doing that. What? Hey, look, it's my scale. It says Taylor on it. It does. <laughs> all right, so. It doesn't work. Right. Did it work? No. Is the battery dead? What do you mean the battery's dead? All right. Go ahead, Josh. Read it out loud. I wrote Jesh. Jesh. <laughs> 270.2. 270.2. Okay, wait one second. You should have done like the full, like wear a Speedo underneath, like you're weighing in. It was 272. Bert yeah. Kreischer and Tom Segura did Two, that. Josh, 272, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. 272. Everybody ready for a laugh? Taylor. Imagine you broke the scale named Taylor. <laughs> Oh, it turned off. <laughs> did it really? Yeah, you off. broke the battery, dude. How did they break the fucking battery? Did it turn back on? All right, ready? Everyone yeah. ready for a good laugh? Yeah, let's hear it. If you break it again, Taylor's weight is... <laughs> it's adding. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Just, dude, just say it. We're here. 413. 413. Okay. All right, look. We're starting here. Every fucking pound matters. Doesn't matter if it's that one pound. Doesn't make any fucking sense. I was it, just at the hospital okay. and they weighed me at three ninety three. All right, we're going with the scale on here. It, it could be a little off. I'm not saying. It. Does that sound about your weight? Yeah, it does. Okay, so maybe a, a baconator. I did <laughs> thirteen pound baconator. <laughs> it could happen. Did you shit today? A lot. Okay. <laughs> 
that that's, doesn't make I'm being I'm, uh, that's not all right then go like, back to the doctor and say doctor listen I'm doing this thing I'm I need I thing. need your scale to no, get I'm, this so, right so here's the other thing because I weighed my I should talk into the mic but like I weighed myself at Bob's uh, on Sunday and I was under 400 but here's the thing scales are scales are subjective Josh is saying it's close to his we're gonna follow this scale because that's what it's saying it's starting at if you want to if you're telling me that's what the doctor said I believe you yeah uh, well you rock with that but 413 is where we're starting okay. it's more impressive when you lose more when you get down to fucking 290 you'd be like holy shit this motherfucker lost 120 pounds that'd be nice <laughs> um, so are there gonna be lifestyle changes you're gonna make specifically to get to these goals this is an interview session Josh um, so uh, I've the one thing that I've done over the last uh, six months of my life is watch uh, Endgame. Yes, uh, <laughs> and I've told you about it. I've cut out soda. Yes, I haven't drank any soda. And you were all. a soda fiend. Yeah, so like two two liters a the day. The fact that I haven't lost any weight since I stopped drinking soda just kind of shows that I've let my eating habits really go to shit. Oh, so like you um, you compensated soda with something else? No, it's not even that. I wouldn't say. I just think that like I'm eating a lot more. Uh, you know, like I, like I'm always working. I'm always at the house. So like now I'm like in the throes of always eating fast food, no matter what. But th- there are places you can order from where you know, of course, you want a pizza with mozzarella sticks as the topping, <laughs> or you want a pizza with little pizzas on top. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you could order a fucking a wrap, a salad. And that's like right, some of the right. things you like got to slowly get into the habit to. And I, I think bo- I, I told you talked about it. Bob's diet, fucking seventy pounds. I've been doing it the last uh, week. Okay, and it's it's been. Well, well, until your scale's fucked up, and then <laughs> you ate know. the scale. No, like your scale's just—that's not right. But anyway, uh, uh, but no, um, I, I, I just bring your, dude, bring in your own scale if I we will. want to challenge the validity of it. I like that. I will comparative uh, scales. We'll do Dan like scale, said, Taylor the, scale. The reason why I even say that is because in a hospital bed, I'm, I'm assuming that's right. That it was—I was under four. Did you that's have a lot of diarrhea that day? Because you might have lost thirteen pounds. No. <laughs> It was a lot more than that. All right. But anyway, no. But what I'm saying is that like, I've been trying it the last six, uh, the last six days. It's rough. It's but, gonna but take it, it's time. Fine. But like, I, I'm, I'm adjusting. Good. Um, Josh, you pumped? Yeah. Nervous? Yeah. All right. I'm Very good. I'm excited to track this. Um, I told Josh's story earlier today. We we're talking about uh, photo finishes. Yeah. So Josh had a good photo finish. Yeah, uh, Taylor did. has a photo finish after almost every recording of this episode of this I, show. I don't know why. Um, being around me makes being around me makes you have to shit because yeah. um, I don't pull out fast. So every time I shit, well, I come. <laughs> yeah, dude. Before you tell your story, let me let me kind of really give you the details. Please, of mine. I love right. duty details. So. Uh, I'm, I'm driving to work. Now, I have a, a long drive. It's a 50-mile trip uh, trip to work. Um, so I get onto the highway, and as soon as I hit the highway, I feel that feeling. Which highway are we talking about? Route 23. You, dude, it wasn't even like... The, the, the I just hit And where you're coming from in 23 is like the beginning of 23. Yeah. Maybe the end. And Depends go, on where you're coming go, from. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I can do this. You just felt... You, you literally it. felt... You felt Challenge your, accepted. You felt your ass. Yeah, so I... I, I drive the whole way there, and I'm like, kind of like shifting myself. Yeah, in you're my doing seat uh, Paul Pfeiffer in American Pie, where he's jamming yeah, his finger, yeah. fucking buttholes puckering. Yeah, yeah. And I finally get to I get to work now. Now here's the challenge. I get out of the car. I have to stand up. I walk up to the door. And at that point, all bets are in. off. I have to roll up the roll down gate. And if you remember Best Buy, you know how slow those yep, gates ever. move. So the gate is moving, and like now in my mind, I'm perceiving it to move. Even That's going up. It's something in your butthole's does. going down. And I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. And then I walk. I, I finally I cross the threshold. I get into the building. The the cleaning lady is there. She goes, hello. And I'm like, hi. 
gotta go. Yeah, and I'm right. like walking, and then like I kind of <laughs> fart a little bit. No. And I feel it, and it's warm. And I'm like, <laughs> oh man, I gotta, I gotta get there now. We got problems. I get there, so I finally, I, I, I get into my office, I throw the bathroom door open, and I sit down, and as I sit down, it just... Yeah. Was it watery or solid? Open. Was it watery it was or like solid? A, it was like a weird mix of like air and solid <laughs> and cum. <laughs> uh, okay. So when you told that story, it led me to thinking about the time at Garden State Plaza where I made a real mess. <laughs> <laughs> I made a real mess. So this was uh, New Year's Day 2010. Uh, Kenyatta had a party. Went to with Spooner, uh, Jared, my ex was there. And uh, we all went to Garden State Plaza the next day. Um, hung over as shit. Um, I, it was so it was Spooner, Jared, Kenyatta, uh, ex. Spooner's sister was with us and one of her friends. And we went to the food court. Of course, I got Wendy's because that was a, a big Baconator time for Josh and I. Yes. We would just go to Wendy's sometimes at like 10 a.m. just to get Baconators. Yeah. Um, so I got a triple Baconator. <laughs> I, I had like at least 10 nuggets, oh my the God. fries, a Frosty, and a, a soda as well, like a large soda. Dude, that's way too much even for me. <laughs> Dude, like 20 minutes after that, we're walking around and trouble's brewing. <laughs> it's, it's a problem. Literally, my butthole was sweating shit. You just have, it a, was, you just have a witch with a cauldron. Dude, in your ass. it was literally like that. Like, I'm not kidding you. I was sweating, but I think the the fucking sweat was duty coming out of my butt. It was disgusting. It was so, duty sweat. Yeah, it was duty sweat. So I'm trying to get to the fucking bathroom. At this point, my I, I smell like it's like it's, it's my my ex my ex my ex is like we'll find you a bathroom. I didn't know where the fuck they were. They had the one. By the food court closed the Garden State, so we had to uh, find of it. So, so <laughs> on Old Navy and shit. So I'm walking around. And I, I get to the bathroom finally, and as I'm like, my trousers are coming down. Uh, I, I start to feel it. I'm like, uh oh, and I go to sit, and as I'm going to sit, it just on the fucking seat but at this point I Taylor I'd let gravity take over you, you had a, you, you, you've already initiated sit, dude, sit down dude and I just sat in my shit That's just awesome. this watery fucking mucus <laughs> out of my butt That's awesome. and I, I was like it's too late it's come and then so I had to flush like two three times to get because I stained the shit out of the bowl too it was just painted it was like a, a, a Picasso a Picasso a poo and so, so I fucking I have shit all over my my ass is incredibly <laughs> hairy all over my ass <laughs> my ass is disgusting. It's like the, it looks like Robin Williams' knuckles to borrow from Knocked Up. And at this point uh, I'm sitting in the shit and I, or I stood up from the shit and I'm like sitting there with shame and poop butt. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, poop butt. I'm like I gotta clean this up. Okay. So Because I flushed it many times and cleaned it, I took some toilet paper and I dipped it in the toilet bowl water <laughs> to clean <laughs> I had to clean off my ass. Alabama wet wipe. Dude, it was, I'm literally, like, a top five shameful moment in my life is dipping toilet paper into a public restroom at a mall, the closest mall to New York City, where every fucking tourist jerk-off's coming in, uh -huh. and I'm fucking doing that, cleaning my ass, because what else was I to do? Yo, do you remember the guy that shit himself at Best Buy? <laughs> <laughs> and he left his kid walking around the store, and Brian Kubas walks in, and I followed right behind him, and Brian's just like, are you okay? The second the door opens and that smell hit me, I saw it on the floor, it was on his shoes. 
shoes. It was on his shirt. There's there's a lot of good poo stories at Best Buy. Ninety percent of them require Justin cleaning. It I up. remember. Okay, the OG poop stories before Josh worked there. Okay, you were still in the warehouse. Yes, I think. I was. Um, I I hear over the headset like, uh, we need a, ma- a maintenance by the bathroom, and then you hear Greg's like, I'm coming over. He goes and looks like maintenance cancel. I got it. He was so disturbed by what he saw. He's like, I can't ask any of my guys to do this. So someone like bent over and it was like they took their ass like a pump shotgun and they just literally all over the back of the wall. It's like yeah. it's like when in a movie when someone's head gets blown off with just a blood splatter on the back. That's what it, it was like, like yeah. that. And Greg is shame cleaning it. <laughs> Dude, that, that's one of my favorites. And then finding the turd on the, on the what's, toilet. What's fucked up about that is I found out like two years ago, like recently, everyone thought that was me. I'm yeah, like, I'm like, did. dude, I, at this point in my life, I would take credit for it. Maybe not right away, but I have no shame in my duty. So, so I would have taken claim for that. That was an unimpressive little fucking nugget. That dude, does not come out of my man th- shit. That, that was like before, like you and I were like really friends. And yeah. I remember like I had friendly, heard, not friends. I had, yeah. I had heard war stories about you. So like when I heard someone shit and like. Left it on the toilet paper dispenser. Yeah, and, listen. That was I, that was the rumor that Dan. I, listen. Did at shit. that point, I was 21, 22 years old. My days of playing hide the dookie in high school were over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Do you ever play hide the dookie? No. Do you know what it is? I could assume what, I know what. What it do is. you think it is? You hide the dookie. Where? Anywhere. You go to a house party, <laughs> and you just shit somewhere. Okay. Or, why, why would you do that? We went to high school with the Hide the Dookie champion of the world. This kid named Dean. Yeah. <laughs> he, he took a shit in the, in the welding room of the auto shop. He was not in auto shop. Oh, my God. I, I, I shit in the stairwell in high school as well. One time, I walk in the bathroom, and this kid is standing there. And he's like, hey, Josh, what's up? And I'm like, what's up, Dean? He's like, want to see something really fucking cool? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, hold on. He grabs the lid from the garbage can, goes into one of the stalls, takes a shit on it, comes out. He's like, see that? And I'm like, uh, yeah, what the fuck are you doing? And he just fucking slaps it up against the fucking mirror. Dude, we're baboons. Um, I just thought about a great yeah, story. Uh, so real quick, before you go any further. So I go back to the PV story. PV's playing West Milford. And every single... This was recent month, and there was duty. Wait, wait, wait. And every single parent said the same thing. Yo, West Milford is trash. <laughs> Dude, I'm not even joking. Literally. Everyone's talking about, yo, those are hicks up there. They suck up there. And I yeah. Go, I go, you know, I used to live up there. And everyone's like, oh, well. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> well, Xander did too. Well, his mom did. Yeah. Um, so here, here's a good one. This involves ears and myself. All right. This is back in our sophomore year of high school, and both of us worked at the movie theater <laughs> in town, at Abbey Cinema, right? Okay. Now, mind you, my I started about three to four months before Meg. My first day at Abbey Cinema, I had to clean up shit on the floor. It was just like a wet load, like a, a pretty heavy wet load. Oh, this is a great story. Um, it was, I remember this It was now. chilly. It looked like chilly I was wiping up, like Kevin <laughs> spilled chilli. And uh, so my, it's my first day, and now it's like Meg's like first weekend, like her second week, whatever. And someone comes up to me. Meg was ripping tickets, and I was at the concession stand. It was like an average night, not crazy busy. And someone comes out like, there's something gross in the women's restroom. (laughs) All right. So Meg's like, all right. So she goes in. I said her name, whatever. Ears. Meg. Whatever. This is the story that isn't a problem for her. So we'll just, uh, that's her real name. I'll say it once. Ears. Walks in. She comes out and she's like, dude, you got to see this. (laughs) I love that. I'm like, all right. 
I go in there, and in the middle stall, this piece of shit was like the size of a NFL regulation football. <laughs> it, and honestly, no, it was as wide as one. It was about as long as an ear of corn. And this thing was so wide that it wouldn't flush down the toilet. Okay. So literally, we're pressing on the thing, like kicking it to flush it, and the water just goes down around it. Like maybe over like a, uh, like a course of like 2,000 flushes, it would erode a little bit. There'd be some erosion around this. I don't know. It looked like a meteorite. And finally, Ears had to take the plunger and just squish it down and flush it. Yes. And we had it on like a flip phone. Ears did for years until recently with that picture still on it. Dude. It should have been Ripley's Believe It or Not. It was what, like. Uh, what was what was they what did they call it on the episode of South Park where uh, Randy and Bono were taking the world's largest shits? Oh, it's uh, 14 Keurigs. <laughs> <laughs> 14, and then Randy takes the world's largest shit hot. Hot, 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 hot. Um, and then you find out Bono really was the world's largest shit. The last th- two things I have before we go into our week seven picks. Um, how about that guy on CNN jerking off on a Zoom call? Yeah, I mean, I guess. There you go. Uh, Wait, seriously? So this guy was on a Zoom call. They were doing um, a debate simulation where someone plays Biden, someone plays Trump. And so that's what it is. And they, they were like, all right, we're taking a break. He thought he turned off his, allegedly, thought he turned off his Zoom conference because he, he moved the camera down, like moved it out of his face, and he thought it was off. Or he, they, they said it looked like he thought he was on another screen, which he was. And it's just him tugging his fucking pecker. <laughs> with his colleagues. He got suspended. Um, do you believe the story that he just, like, they had a break and he decided he was going to jerk off and watch porn? I guess. I think it's believable. Yeah. It's I think more than believable. It, it's, you know, then people are arguing, like, well, you know, most perverts would love the, the idea of jerking off in front of uh, female coworkers. And I'm like, all right, maybe. I'm not saying that's what he did, though. Like, that, yeah. le- legitimately, maybe that's what someone's into. They want to just Louis C.K., like, jerking off in front of people, and he forced some people into it. Some guys get off on that. I doubt that's what he was actually trying to do. Um, um, he's like, he's going to apologize. He's like, fucking wife has to deal with that now, and kids got to go to school. Yeah, daddy was jerking off on Zoom. That's awesome. Um, and Craig Carton, apparently now tomorrow will be announced that he is uh, coming back to WFAN and drive time with Evan Roberts. Thank God, no more Beningo. Oh, uh, I know. I'll miss Beningo. I think he'll still call in for sure. He'll complain. I want to hear him talk about the Jets. It's the, it makes me actually almost feel bad for Jets fans. Nothing else does. All right, guys. Week seven in the NFL season. Can you believe we're already through fucking six weeks of this shit? It's fucked up. Um, so, uh, I can say this. Um, it's confirmed now. It happened. All our teams won this past Sunday. Yeah, finally. Uh, the Falcons got their first win. The Broncos with the big upset over the Patriots. Dolphins shutting out the Jets. Um, are we feeling better about our teams? No. Nope. Not at all. So, I, this is a rare occasion where I'm actually like kind of positive about the Dolphins, and yeah. you guys are not positive about your teams. I, I'm not over as, the last like 15 years. I'm not as pessimistic. I'm listen. not as pessimistic. You play the dog shit Vikings. With yeah. Fucking dog shit Kirk Cousins. Did Dalvin Cook even play? No. Dalvin Cook did not even play. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Kirk Cousins sucks, dude. Listen, I, I will say Matt Ryan made that ridiculous throw. Oh, that was listen, great. That was you know, great play. The, uh, the offense is the one piece I can be hopeful about because all they have to do is just figure it out. And I think Raheem Morris has a serious shot. I actually liked Raheem when he was with Tampa Bay. He had a couple good years there before. I just think he was a guy that. Like, he's a retread I would take because I think sometimes you want the coach that failed somewhere else first. You just don't hire him the year after they lost their job, yeah. New York Jets. You know, the the, the thing with uh, with the Bucks is that they have a history with their coaches where they'll have, like, a strong first, second, third year, and then they'll sure, just trail sure. down. And, and that's, that's kind of what happened. happened with he came in probably a little too cocky, but he's done a really good job. I think that he helped their defense in the second season last year. I like Raheem. I, w- I think it'd be cool if he, he got to and then pick all his own coaches. Yeah. Um, you know, Taylor, what about 
you. You got your defense was fantastic and your kicker was fantastic. Yeah, he went six for six, so that was good. Uh, the defense played relatively well against uh, Cam Newton. In that they did look attack. sloppy. The Patriots, like it was clear, but they also always kick the shit out of Cam. Yeah, it's a you know it's a Cam different. Could be completely different team. They just kick the shit out. Cam's of kryptonite is yeah. uh, the Denver Broncos. Um, I will say Drew Locke is the youngest quarterback to win in Gillette Stadium. Yeah. So that was pretty cool, uh, even though he didn't throw a single touchdown. Not one offensive touchdown. Two picks. Three, 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 turnover, three, tur- yeah. three turnovers for, from the, for the Broncos' defense. So there's a lot to really like there. Got to um, be happy with your defense, and it seems like your team has fight, even if they may not have the talent on the offensive side overall. Yeah, well, you're going to need a lot of fight this week. Yeah. God damn. Um, I, I'm Taylor. Obviously, I'm thrilled. Uh, I, I don't care if it's the Jets. I'm just happy, like, the team's direction. They sure. played a terrible game, in theory, and still dominated, which is what decent teams are supposed to do to bad teams always. Um, you know, we, you saw with the Broncos, who just sh- they shut down the Patriots, they struggled to an extent with the Jets. There yeah. was a, a lot, it, you didn't have lock in, and that's, you know, I of like course. lock, but um, I was happy to see that. The defense was great. Byron Jones and Xavier Howard have been great. And then today they announced that Tua is going to be the starter. Now, what are your, I, I didn't actually get your thoughts on it. Um, I don't hate it. Again, yeah. it's, it, it's. I, I think it was going to come at some point. I think it's uh, the timing is a little weird just because, you know, it's not like I, Fitzpatrick did anything bad no, he, to lose the job. I think what happened, because he had a good first half and then a bad second half, he took a hit on a, I don't know if you saw the penalty, he slid and he took two shots, and to me he wasn't the same after that. I don't think that has anything to do with this. Mm-hmm. I think the plan was always to have him start after the bye week. It just got moved up because of the rescheduling. They sure. were supposed to play the Broncos this week, yeah. Um, and I, I think that, I think it was always the plan. Um, the reports are he's killing it in practice, like mastery of it. I, I love joking after the game, he did the best handoff in rookie history. Like, yep. I, I feel I'm excited for Tua. I, I Should think be. I, I, I'm excited to see what he's like. His attitude is just, it's what you want in a player. I mean, it's so depending on depending on the, uh, the trajectory of Tua's career, obviously we have a lot of road to cover until then. But that picture could end up defining his entire career. Oh, yeah, career. yeah. So I think that's a really cool thing. He has a chance to be the, the biggest star Miami's had since Dan Marino. And because that is a football-crazy town. Like, they, they didn't care about basketball to Dwayne Wade. It's a superstar town. It's mm-hmm. Miami, dude. Like, when you think back, it hasn't been good recently, but yeah. you, all that it's shit, also, they were about it. Yeah, it's also a fucking shit so town. So it, it's, it's – re- yeah, it is. It's terrible. Miami's um, but garbage. It's, uh, I, love, I love what Brian Flores is doing. He's got he, – he rewards he rewards work. We see Miles Gaskin is like – like 12th in the league in total scrimmage yards uh, for a 7th round pick. Just like you get excited about Philip Lindsay. It's cool to be pumped about things with yeah, the team. Yeah, definitely. Um, Alright guys, uh, so last week uh, I went 10-4, and four, uh, Josh went 9-5, and five, and Taylor went 8-6. and six. Josh now has a one game lead over me at 63-26-1. and one. Uh, I am 62-27-1 and one, and Taylor is uh, two games behind me for second at 60-29-1. Um, so we'll start out with the first game. Uh, this is for the NFC East Championship. Uh, the the one and four New York Giants against the one three and one um, Philadelphia one, four Eagles and one. one four and one Philadelphia yes thank you one, um so it's one and five uh, yes. Giants okay yeah. so um, Josh what's your pick in this game I am going to take the Eagles um, Daniel Jones sucks. And Wentz has played. Wentz played really well last week. And you see what his guys dropped. I I, I was like, if, I was if, so impressed with Wentz in this if game. If the Eagles ended up winning that game last week, I was gonna go nuts because uh, the first cause Eagles yeah. against the Ravens. I'm like, this. Why did I do that? But in, um, 
There's a possibility you get uh, what the fuck Alshon Jeffrey back this yeah. week. Um, and Wentz is comfortable now. Travis Fulcrum's been playing really, really well. Yeah, but uh, the, the running backs hurt. He's not playing. Yeah, this Miles week. Sanders Zach, is hurt. Zach, Zach dropped one of his touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, but Zach Ertz yeah, and Ertz has not week. been very good this year. He's been more or less invisible. Well, it's a lot of the it, whole thing. He's left in the block more. He well, he, can't get so off his press. He, he's being overshadowed by Dallas Goddard, and I think I, I, I think it's a bit of a railroad job in Philadelphia because they, Zach Ertz wants a big contract, and the Eagles don't want to give well, it. He deserves it. He does deserve it. The Eagles don't want to give it to him, so they're kind of railroading him a little bit. But. Uh, who are you taking in this game? Uh, I'm also going to take the Eagles. Yes, I'm also taking the Eagles. Um, I was very impressed with them, uh, with Wentz specifically, in a loss to the Ravens, a very good defense. New York Giants do have a solid defense. Uh, Bradbury's playing great. Logan Ryan's been very good for them. Um, but their offense is miserable. I think Ron Rivera gift-wrapped that game for him. I did not like going for... I I, I like going for two on some of these situations, which we'll get to later. I did not like it there when you would shut down Daniel Jones and the Giants' offense. Offense, um, and his, they weren't moving the ball. And you're, I think Wentz is good enough right now to move the ball. So against I'm going to take against that. Uh, that I'm going to take the sure. Eagles in a like a 21 to 10 kind of game, sure. something like that. That uh, Green Bay coming off their first. Oh, by the way, the Eagles are six point favorites in that game. Um, the next game is the Green Bay Packers coming off their first loss, a real thrashing by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Houston Texans, who uh, could have won. On uh, Sunday, should have. That won. was a situation where I liked going for two. You were up by seven. If you score a two point conversion there, it's a not. It's a two possession game. Yeah. Um. Yeah. At the bare minimum, they got to drive downfield. I know you can't trust your defense, but I think that risk is worth it there. When you're you're not down by you're not up by six. You're up yeah, by seven. Right. Um. So I didn't like that there, but uh, Sean played great. Defense is terrible in Houston. I think the Packers bounce back here. I just think Houston just has good pieces, but it's just not coming together. I completely agree. I just think if there's any time for a bounce back game, it's going to be against a terrible defense. And yeah, Rogers going to light them up for throw for three hundred yards. Yeah, Josh, going with Packers. Also. All right, next game: Detroit Lions beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Josh's Atlanta Falcons coming off their first win over the Minnesota Vikings. Joshua, uh, the Falcons are three point favorites. By the way, yeah, I'm going to take the Lions here. Uh, I'm. I said it last week, and I, I'll, I'll say it again. I'm not going to be picking the Falcons until they prove to me that they've gotten over whatever it is they are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's uh, All right. that's awfully Taylor. With you. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Falcons. I think the Falcons ride the wave uh, with uh, Raheem Morris as the head coach. Yeah, and, uh, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, um, I, I just think that. I mean, like, I know Detroit beat up on Jacksonville pretty damn good, but it's Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So um, I just think Detroit doesn't have the firepower. Yeah, I, all around to, for a shootout. Like, and Sta- I love Stafford. I'm a huge Stafford fan. That throw he made, that sidearm throw he made over the weekend, they'd be creaming their pants if it was Pat Mahomes that made that. Yeah. I no, I, um, I saw that. Saw that fucking oh, it was everywhere. Super. But my my thing too, the big thing to watch out the X factor is DeAndre Swift. He had a massive game. Yeah, last he week. looks good. I like um, him a lot. I mean, you haven't seen a lot of carry on Johnson. I'm, I, he's either hurt or they're just not using him, or also because AP has been so productive. Yeah, as well. and uh, I think it's gonna be an interesting game. But I do like the swagger um, that Raheem brings to a team. I think that. After you lost that game to Dallas, I would have fired him on the spot there. Um, which you, yeah. you know, it, it's that's to me was a fireable game. If you're a first year coach or you're a Super Bowl champion, that's a fireable offense with that onside kick. Um, I just think it, and with the history there, you demoralize that team so much. You were the guy; they could love you as a person and just think, you know, this isn't working. Yeah. Um, and I think that just that alone makes the talent play a little cleaner. So I'm going to take the Falcons there. Uh, the next game, the Dallas Cowboys, who let both you boys down last week, uh, taking them against Arizona. Um, Wow, there's turmoil in the locker room. Came off their loss to um, uh, the, the fucking Arizona. I just said it. Um, against the football team. Football team should have beat the Giants. We talked about that. Um, 
The offense is anemic. Very good defense. Defensive line is great. Uh, Taylor. I really don't know here. And Dallas uh, are three and a half point favorites, because by the way. Dallas looked all, I haven't seen <laughs> Dallas look that bad in a very long time. And yeah, you're hearing all the, the players talking about the coaching staff now that they don't know how to coach on the fly. McCarthy truly looks like he just assumed that he deserved the job. I know he said he was watching every game and studying it. Yeah. He looks lazy. He looks fatter than ever. Not that that has anything to do with it, but maybe he's actually getting lazy. They have they, they look so just in disarray. Disorganized. Ezekiel Elliott looks like a show. Playing lazy. There's no coaching. Everything is lethargic. They I, Upgraded with McCarthy Dude, to, to, from Garrett. Dude, they did. It it, it it genuinely looks like the team has already given up on McCarthy. Yeah. So for that reason and for an, for an upset, I'm going to take the Washington football team because I think Washington still has some swagger. There's there, it's a, there's a lot of young pieces. When you could there. rush the passer, you could win games against bad teams. So here's the part that's the part that scares me because the the Dallas pass rush is still very formidable. Yeah, but. That you can offset that with a good rushing attack. Yeah, so. and Washington does like running the ball. That. Yes, they do. Um, Josh? I'm going football team. All right, and I'm going to take the Cowboys. Um, I just, the the football team's offense is terrible. Um, watching that game was painful uh, for both teams. It was, you know, it wasn't even necessarily good good defense by either team. They, besides the Redskins pass rush, it was a really bad game. Well, the other thing, too, is that this is also a division matchup. So Which weird, it could so always weird flip a coin. Happens. And it could happen in the Giants-Eagles game, yeah, too. Weird shit happens um, in division matchups. But I just think the, Eagle, the, the Cowboys, if their defense is ever going to get a little moxie, it's against this team that only has one weapon in the receiving game and a quarterback that can't really throw the ball very well. So I'm going to take the Cowboys. Uh, next game, do we need to spend time on it? The Buffalo Bills lost two straight. Um, just lost to the Chiefs on Monday night, Monday evening, I guess, uh, against the Jets, um, who just, you know, they, they might be the worst team I've ever watched. So they, it's up there with the 0-16 Detroit Lions. And 0-16 Browns. I Watching those teams and this team, this is the worst team. They're yeah. void of talent. Like, they, they have Jameson Crowder, and that's it. Yeah, and they just, like, don't care. No, and they really don't care. And they're going to let Gaze take this on the chin, um, for sure. Uh, Bills. Yeah, Bills. Yeah, give me the Bills. Yeah. They got him. If they, what, what's what's the spread on that? Ten and a half right, right now. Yeah, give, give me the Bills. Give me the points. Uh, next game, the Cleveland Browns coming off their loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers got thrashed against the Cincinnati Bengals, who blew a twenty-one nothing lead to um, the Colts. Uh, Browns are three-point favorites at, uh, on the road. Uh, I like the Browns here. I think they bounce back. The Geno Atkins asking for a trade because uh, of his playing time. Uh, one of the best interior linemen over the last 10, 15 years. Um, John Ross, not that he's anything, but he wants out. I don't think Zach Taylor is a very good coach. Might be a good offensive coordinator, but 21 nothing. I don't care the team. You got to get your guys playing there, and it's been sloppy. I know they're void of talent, but coaching decisions are bad. Give me the Browns. Uh, yeah, give me the Browns as well. And it, 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 I hate to say it, but like on paper, Cincinnati's offense is very good. Tyler Boyd is a very good wide receiver. I mean, Joe it doesn't Mason matter when your very, offensive line's that bad. I understand that, but what I'm saying is on paper, there, there, there's a very good offense there. You have a good core a core of young players that you could you're able to build around. And I agree with you completely. I think Zach Taylor's just not the guy. Yeah. And I think Cincinnati should cut their losses early. Like, like this is like I don't know who their OC is. I have no idea who was on their coaching staff. But this is a point in time where you where you uh, you fired his head coach and you just take a fucking chance. I think they're gonna let him ride out the season because if you no, know, I, I believe you too. But I'm saying is like if I'm because let's say they win four games, it's more than they won last year. Win five games, they do that. You know, they already got one. They tied a game. 
you see if you see improvements in Burrow, you keep the head coach because you got to see. You don't want to change a young quarterback's offensive playbook that many times. You've kinda, I think you're seeing that with Daniel Jones right now. I think you've yeah. seen it with Sam Darnold. But the thing is that Burrow has shown me more in six games than Daniel Jones has shown me in two years. That, uh, like, I, no, Daniel as, Jones was no. very good last year as a passer. Yeah, but, the, no, but I'm saying as far as from a leadership perspective, I'll take Joe Burrow over Daniel Jones any single day. I, I can't say it yet because he hasn't played as well as Daniel Jones yet, and Daniel Jones did win a few games there. I mean, through 18 touchdowns, the turnovers are terrible, but Burrow still has things he has to work on. He still has a terrible deep ball. There's things he has to work on. His moxie, I agree, is there 100%. I love him. He needs an offensive line because they're in danger of turning him into David Carr. Well, that's what I'm saying. But so, I, I would still take Joe Burrow. Um, all right, so Josh, who are you uh, taking? Also taking the Browns. All right. Uh, next game, Carolina Panthers coming off the loss to the Chicago Bears at the New Orleans Saints coming off a bye week. Um, the Saints are seven and a half point favorites. Yeah, uh, Michael Thomas back. I think he's going to come and play and pissed off. I think their offense is going to have their best showing of the year. Uh, give me the Saints over the Panthers. Were they playing the Panthers? Yeah. Uh, yeah in, the in New Orleans. Jo- Josh? Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Saints here. Okay. Next game, the Pittsburgh Steelers coming off the win over the Browns at the Tennessee Titans. Uh, two undefeated teams. Titans with a very impressive overtime victory. Uh, Tannehill was amazing in that last drive. Vrabel's coaching, taking uh, that loophole in the rule book and manipulating it was brilliant. Guy, guy's a great coach. Um, the Steelers are one and a half point favorites. If it's, it's a pick them. It's two five and oh teams. Yeah. Someone's got to give. Um, Taylor, you go first on this one. Oh, fuck you. No, you go All first. All right, Josh, you go first. All right, I'm going to take the Steelers here. Um, I fucking love what I'm seeing. Their defense is so fucking Their good. Their defense is fucking <laughs> incredible. Now, Titans well, they did just lose defense. Devin Bush for the season. Yeah, Titans have a great defense, too, but I love what I'm seeing in Pittsburgh. I'm loving the coaching. Uh, Mike Tomlin has proven why he's been a head coach in this league for so long. Yep. Um, you know, like I said last week, you know, they're kind of playing to the strengths of the team on offense. They they recognize that Ben is not yeah. the same quarterback that he's been. They're using him the same way that they used him in his first two seasons. Yep. In his first season, they went 15-1. and one. Yeah, and he's still able to get it down the field so accurately to the guys that are open. And, yep. uh, again, it, it comes down to Tomlin. Tomlin's just a, a he great st- coach. He, he could still extend plays. He has yeah. the ability. It's not every time it used to be, but, like, he still has the ability – once every couple times where he could definitely run it. Pittsburgh. I'm taking Tennessee in this one. Um, I just like uh, the, the moxie on the team, and you, you lost Taylor Lewan, which sucks, but I think they have the ma- physicality to match with Pittsburgh. Fucking Derrick Henry, dude. Next game, Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals. Seahawks uh, coming off their bye. Arizona beating the Cowboys. Taylor. Uh, this is a hard one, but I'm going to go with Seattle. Josh. Uh, Pete Carroll recently said that the Cardinals have as much chance to win this game as there is a chance that we actually landed on the moon. Okay. Uh, so I am taking the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I am going to take the Arizona Cardinals. I think the, they've given them some fits, even with bad teams. Seem to match up pretty well. Seattle's defense uh, is bad. I, I, it's bad. I love Buda Baker. Love what he's doing. I'm going to take Arizona in the upset. Uh, Taylor, your team. Uh, the Kansas City uh, Chiefs coming to Denver. Kansas City, four and a half point favorites. Kansas City. Le'Veon Bell's first game. Fuck off, Josh. KC, KC. All right, yeah, I think we're all, yeah we're I all in do, agreement there. I do think there. Denver puts up a good fight. Though. I I agree with that. Um, San Francisco 49ers at the New England Patriots. San Francisco bounced back. New England obviously took the loss to Denver. New England are three point favorites. I'm going to take New England. Uh, Belichick doesn't lose back to back games very often. Uh, another week back in practice. Uh, give me the Patriots. Give me San Francisco because all because all New England has is a rushing attack and all. And all the San Francisco 49ers still have is a great defensive line. Okay. I'm going to take the 49ers as well. 
All right. Next game, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars at the Chargers. Chargers hoping to bounce back. Um, Herbert looks great. Uh, Jacksonville is terrible. <coughs> Chargers. Yeah, Chargers. Chargers. They will bounce back. Yeah. And uh, the game on Monday night, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Las Vegas Raider. Tampa Bay are two and a half point favorites. Um, I think Tampa Bay is going to keep rolling. Las Vegas, I think, is a little overhyped. I don't think they're as good as they've looked in some games. So. Completely agree. Tampa Bay. Yep, taking Tampa. All right, guys, this is episode 124 of You Watch, I Listen. Uh, movie pick for this week was the 1990 Night of the Living Dead. And my album was Inside Out, No Spiritual Something. I forget the name. And we, we will... Uh, Josh, is there a takeout song? Or? No. Okay. We'll see you guys next week. Later. Later.